You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast Podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe. Uh, this week, we are talking about Tron from 1982 and Tron Legacy from 2010. Uh, to help me talk about it, uh, both of these, I am joined by a first-time guest, uh, but someone who's been a friend of mine for a long time, he's been a friend of the show for a while, um, and been wanting to talk to him for a very long time. Uh, it's Chris Barreras. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing awesome, man, and uh, I'm I'm really excited oh, to be on this show. You know, like, um, I've listened... I don't know when I started listening to your show, but it's been it's been a, a chunk of time. And like, I, I, I just always dug it. I just like I like the vibe. And, and I also like. How varied you are, like on your topics, you know what I mean? Like it's like there's there are so many podcasts where it's like I stick on this genre and yours is all over the map. And I love that I, because <laughs> yeah. I've gotten like an education on some stuff. Oh, well, that's great. Hey, I didn't think we're educating anybody, but that's good. It's <laughs> good. Um, yeah, I like being all over the place. I think I mentioned it before about like uh, I, I get bored kind of doing one thing and like I need to be like on my toes and jumping around between different things. So um, I like it. Yeah, I like just kind of doing a variety of different things. So I'm glad you're enjoying it. That's very nice of you. Thank you. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, sometimes I get worried, like we jump around almost too much and then are, are like people still enjoying, you know, like <laughs> if I do like a 90s action movie and then I do Cronenberg's Crash, I'm like, is that too much of a hard turn, you know, <laughs> but um, I guess nobody like it. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and it works, though, because like like. When you did your. Um, um, older superheroes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, series, which I adored. I hadn't seen any of those movies, I think, since they came out. And oh, like, wow. oh, because of your episodes, I went back and I watched The Shadow uh, and The Rocketeer. And I hadn't seen them in probably 20 years each. And I was like, man, these are a blast. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, fun. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed those. I'm glad we, we kind of people seem very excited by that series i was surprised when i posted about it and people seemed it really was hyped. excellent man it was excellent <laughs> it you. really was Thank that you. and your um and the unscottable series like thank you yes that just i tweeted kinda... about it like it made me appreciate him even more like i always loved tony scott but it made me appreciate even the ones that i wasn't the hugest fan of like even like i wasn't a huge fan at the time of domino but just <laughs> hearing like of the enthusiasm that you guys had for it, it made me appreciate it a little bit more or, or, or even uh, I'm a top gun guy and I know that you aren't. 
but <laughs> yes, this is true. <laughs> and that yes. made me kind of, Oh, not a days of thunder guy. Because I was like, Oh no, like it's top gun on race cars. Right. But then yeah. hearing your episode, I was like, man, oh, they make a lot of good fucking points. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. So like, I appreciated even the movies that, that I wasn't a huge fan of even more. And then it made of me love the ones that I really enjoyed even more like enemy of the state. I thought I was one of the only people oh, that loved enemy of the state. And then I hear your episode and I was like, I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think a lot of people love enemy of the state. I know, uh, I think our mutual friend, uh, Dahlia from, uh, Dahlia from, uh, action Twitter loves enemy of the state. Jay loves yeah. enemy of the state who was on, um, that was a big one. And for Tony and like, you know, Will Smith, I was a huge star at the time. So, um, but yeah, I, I, a movie that I was so happy to revisit too, because it'd been so long and I was like, this is still great. Uh, so um, yeah. I'm glad that we helped you appreciate, especially Domino. Cause that was like a whole episode, like a whole love fest of an episode too. So I'm glad that uh, that worked a little bit. <laughs> That's all yeah. I wanted. So I'm, I'm glad it helped, you know, and I'm sad it's over. This is the first post unscottable episode and uh, I'm still feeling a little, a little sad that it's over, but you know, we'll, we'll keep going. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't think I'll do another director series. And if I do, it'll probably be a while from now, but I'm like, I don't know. He kind of had the perfect for what I was doing, the perfect filmography. It was like not too many movies, all movies that I at least enjoy to some degree. Like there's directors I've looked at and I'm like, Oh, I really, and then I forget there's like these movies and their, their filmographies I hate. And I'm like, Oh no, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, or just boring, you know. It's like I don't want to talk about. I'm trying to think of an example. Like Ridley, Ridley has a few where I'm like, I don't want to talk about. Um, I I, I love Ridley yeah. Scott. Yeah, and like I like I had started uh like a pseudo binge at the start of the year, right? and I was going through you know like all the streaming services, right, and seeing oh, what movies was on there, and there was oh, there's a couple in Ridley's where I'm like, I do not want to watch this again. Like I have no desire to see this. <laughs> And I'm like, uh, like, um, what was that one he did oh, with Michael Fassbender and um, oh, The Counselor? Oh, but, but I love The Counselor. I saw, like, it, yeah. I saw it once and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> or like that it. one he did um, oh, with Russell Crowe. Uh, um, was it Robin oh, Hood or? No. Oh, something year. A good year? A good year, yeah, which is one I think everyone forgets they even made. It's like the most forgettable Ridley Scott movie. A good year, I think. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I remember I saw that one because I'm a huge fan of Russell Crowe. I was a huge fan of Ridley Scott, and I was like, "Well, it can't be as bad as Robin Hood," which I, which I find, I, I like certain aspects of Robin Hood. It's a very flawed movie, but I like certain elements of it, and so I watched that one, and I'm like, "Man, this is really." Yeah, I don't like this one. <laughs> so I was going back to Ridley and I'm like, I might have to just oh skip some of these movies and just say that I like I remember oh, oh what I would have ranked them then and I'll just put it in the ranking here so that I don't have to sit through them again. Yeah, I, I understand. And like I'm looking at his filmography and like I'm not gonna pick anything out as like necessarily bad, but there's some stuff I'm not I wouldn't be excited to talk about. And that's the that's the key ingredient, I think, is if yeah. like yeah, I'm not even it might not even be bad, but if I don't even have any passion to talk about it, then it's just like, what am I doing? So, I mean, he's great. Obviously, he has some amazing highs um, like his. He probably hit higher highs than Tony did with like Alien and Blade Runner. Like, but 
you know, it's overall it's up and down more, I feel like. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's he's so great. But yeah, so um, but thank you for all those nice things you said. I appreciate it. So um, but before and before we get into Tron and Tron uh, Legacy, uh, I just want to ask, uh, I think, you know, the drill probably <laughs> that uh, anything you've seen recently you want to talk about. Yeah. So um, I got a couple. Okay. Um, I'll get um, oh, the worst out of the way. Uh, <laughs> last night at, at time of recording, I watched um, a Jurassic World Dominion. Oh, yep. <laughs> and um, uh, let's just say that. And the beer that I drank last night was the most awesome part of my evening. Um, I'm a fi- like, I like the franchise enough. I think obviously oh the first one is an all-timer classic like it cannot be it still holds up like all the practical effects you know like all the set pieces everything is so dialed in on that i'm less a fan of the sequels especially of the lost world but it's because at the time i read the novel of lost world and oh the novel and the movie oh the we got are two completely different things oh okay and then uh, Three was fun. A Jurassic World is a lot of fun. But then these last two sequels, it's like mm-hmm. they don't know what they were doing. And in particular, uh, uh, Dominion is one of the worst edited huge blockbusters I've seen in a while. Where it's like all of a sudden, oh, Chris Pratt's on screen. But he wasn't in, he wasn't in the frame. Like, it, it's... It's edited in a way, and I know they were shooting through all of COVID and they probably had a lot of green screen and a lot of pickups to do. So I tried to look at it as more of like, it's just, it's what they had to work with, but it got to a point where oh, my fiance is not into editing. She's not into blocking or anything like that. It's not something oh, that she picks out. And she was like, man, the editing on this movie is terrible. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, if she picks up on it, it's something that is like, oof. Oof. I have one of those and something I watch where somebody, my sister was watching and she made a comment on some like, when someone you are watching them with who's not like a movie person comments on like a technical thing, you know, it's really bad usually. Yeah. Yeah. It's a telltale sign. Yeah. Like, oh, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard just seemed like they were bored and like half asleep and mm-hmm. the old cast as cool as it was to see them they looked so bored and jeff yep. goldblum didn't look like he wanted to be there and sam neil even though he was rocking of oh, the sexy old man silver fox beard was just like <laughs> kind of there and when yeah. the mood like at one point oh, we hit pause and we watched the extended cut because we're fucking stupid <laughs> And there was still like an hour left of the movie. And my fiance goes, oh, my God, how is there so much movie left? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, we could have watched something else, but you chose to watch this. I'm like, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. So I, wa- so I wasn't a fan of that movie. Um, I really think they should let the franchise go for a while. I know this one was hugely successful, but it's like, do we really need another Jurassic Park? I don't think so. Um, yeah, but I, on to stuff that I actually enjoyed. Oh, really quick. Sorry. I'm glad you brought this up because I don't know if it ever came up on the show about the new Jurassic World. 
uh, I want to say my piece because I had I really didn't like it either. <laughs> like, oh, thank God. Is, yeah. Okay. This is my chance to like, I know which have you positive. I was kind of but... worried, you know, that I was like, oh, no. like I'm shitting on this movie, right? Matt's going to be like, I actually thought it was really good. Then be like, oh, Jesus the... Christ. No, 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 no. <laughs> that awkward <laughs> silence, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was just letting you say your piece because I was so excited to jump in. Actually, I think you tweeted about watching it. I said, I hope, I hope Chris brings this up on the podcast because I've been waiting for a chance to attack this movie. <laughs> Dude, like, it is. It is so bad, man. So bad. And I hated, I didn't like Fallen Kingdom. I, I may like this a hair better, but that's like, that's a bad bar. <laughs> like, I don't know which I one I don't. I, I think I, I like Fallen Kingdom more because it was so out there. Like, it felt like it was a different script that they had just kind of thrown in all the dinosaurs. And, and like the human cloning at the end, I was like, okay, this is weird, you know, but I can kind of dig it. Oh, this one was just like, why are there locusts? And like at one point, I mean, and you've seen the movie where, yeah. where the locusts are set on fire. And I literally said out loud and they're going to break out. And then the voice of the computer goes and containment breach. And I just, <laughs> I just dropped in my couch. just like, really? I'm, I'm not a writer. And I, I literally called uh, uh, what was going to happen. This is, this is really bad. I mean, yeah, you, you could call like so many beats in that movie. It was so, it all felt so lazy. It was like, we got the old cast back. Great. Okay. But they don't seem happy to be there. The current cast doesn't seem happy to be there. And like you mentioned COVID, obviously that causes some, you know, tough times when you're trying to shoot a movie, I'd imagine. But yeah. the problem <laughs> it starts at the script when, why are we talking about fucking locust? When thank you oh my god the earth is overrun with dinosaurs that's your movie but no no <laughs> we've got to talk about big locust and then they have the audacity to recreate that iconic shot with laura dern taking off her glasses in the jeep in the first movie and seeing dinosaurs to her seeing locust i was like go fuck yourself <laughs> i was not I, only that but they dress up <laughs> laura dern jeff goldblum and sam neill in oh. the same costumes and then at the end of the movie, oh, they start to play like the classic music. And I was like, stop it. You have not earned this. Right you stop it right now. <laughs> I was so mad, dude. So I, mad. I was, I, you know, what's funny. I left Fallen Kingdom so angry that I thought I'd never <laughs> see another one because that I hated the whole thing with the clone girl being like, they're just like me. And then, you know, uh, thanks a lot, clone girl. Uh, you ruined everything. And then, and then they brought the old cast back and I was like, well, shit, I'm on board. The trailer looked really good. I thought. Um, yeah, the trailer looked pretty solid. They cut some of that stuff out I want to see, like a T-Rex at a drive-in. That wasn't, I think it's in the extended version. If no. You, no. Not, oh, it's not? So, <laughs> wow. so wow. it's at the drive-in, but, uh -huh. there, but there, there are several scenes that are cut out of the trailer. And, and then there are scenes that are left in. Like, I remember when oh, Chris Pratt, he jumps out oh, the motorcycle onto the plane. Yes, people yes. who haven't seen it. In a dinosaur movie, Chris Pratt jumps a motorcycle onto an airplane. Jesus Christ, this fucking movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, we may have talked about this because I remember being really upset. It was a minor point, but the lady, who, the pilot woman, uh, when Chris Pratt, she's just, she's just on a runway taking off like normal, and Chris Pratt jumps a, a motorcycle into the plane and she goes still got it i'm like what you didn't do anything you're just you're just driving the but, plane down the runway <laughs> but what's worse is i don't know if, if this is only on the extended cut uh-huh but he, he crashes his motorcycle he stands up him and bryce Ta um and bryce dallas howard oh they embrace are you okay oh yeah i'm fine are you okay then it cuts to the pilot who says oh still got it then it cuts back to chris pratt 
and Bryce Dallas Howard, who are now laying on the floor asking each other if they're okay. It's like, oh, they filmed what? two, <laughs> yeah, wow, oh, two different oh, versions of the scene, but left them both in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It was oh. staggering to me, dude. I'm like, what? Uh, it, it how did this movie so... cost like $300 million? Right. And it made so much money. And I don't, but everyone I've talked to, even like outside of our movie circle of people on Twitter, like normal people don't think it's very good. So I don't understand. It's uh, uh, like, I want to go see another Jurassic Park movie and I don't care if it's good or bad. But so, um, so yeah, I, I texted and my best friend oh, last night, I'm like, hey, man. I don't know if you want to waste your time. And he's like, I'm 30 minutes in and I'm really bored. And I'm like, <laughs> Hey bro, sorry, man. I should have warned you earlier. I like, I went to bed. I woke up to a text message from him. He's like, I fell asleep an hour in. I can't believe there's still another hour left of this movie. <laughs> and I'm like, you're welcome. I think, sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> you want to go to sleep? It's the perfect uh, thing for that. Um, two things. I'll let it go. But I, I the fact that they made Laura Dern say the line, he slid it in my DMs uh, was, Oh just, God. I groaned out loud in the theater. <laughs> uh, that was bad. And then what was the last thing I was going to mention? Oh, the fact that everybody can just do the Chris Pine hand thing now to stop every dinosaur. <sighs> doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. <laughs> like, that's I all. literally, that's all I have to say, <laughs> you could say more if you want. I was in my, yeah. Oh, the last thing I said that I'll say on this fucking movie <laughs> is that I was in my discord and I put, if Chris Pratt does this hand thing one more fucking time, I'm going to scream. The next scene is not only him doing it, but the clone girl and Sam Neill doing it. I'm like, stop, stop hey, it. Buddy. Stop it with this fucking hand thing. It's crazy. It doesn't make sense. Well, also, I think I said Chris Pine. I picked that back. Chris Pratt. Yes. I think I was like, I got the wrong Chris, but Chris Pratt, the Chris Pratt hand thing, which is like, I could buy it in Jurassic World because he's been training with the Raptors. Sure. But these are random dinosaurs. Right. These are random dinosaurs. <laughs> and it's like, and oh that my doesn't God, make sense. Dude. Oh, I, I love that. I was, you, I was oh, so fucking great. angry, man. I get it. I was angry. <laughs> I, the only thing that calmed me down is I went to a theater near me that serves like food like you can get full meals like a burger and fries or whatever and uh oh food nice great and that really that really helped ease the pain of the whole experience <laughs> and <laughs> me and my friend who i kind of dragged my friend because i was like we should go see this right because he loves jurassic park the whole franchise more than i do and uh like he's like okay let's go even though we both hated the last one and we both were just miserable but i mean again at least the food was good but it was uh it's a very bad movie. I don't know. Like, very, very, very bad. And it should have been a slam dunk because it's like the, the premise is the dinosaurs are just out in the world. Do anything with that. But it's like we don't get hardly any of that. Yeah. Like it's at the start of the movie and then it's at the end. And it literally starts with a with a, basically a YouTube video from now this. And I'm like, Okay, this is a huge blockbuster. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, this is, this is good. I, I apologize to anyone that liked Jurassic World Dominion. Yes. Um, oh, yes. But... Apologies to anybody in the audience who liked that movie. I'm sorry that we dragged it out okay. to the backyard and beat it to death. This is great. I'm fired up now. This is a good start. I like, <laughs> I like to get energized. Uh, this is good. Okay. You like, so you, I'm guessing you like some other stuff better than Jurassic yes. World Dominion. Okay. Yes. Um, so I've been on a little bit of a Kurosawa kick. Um, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seven Samurai is one of my all-time favorite movies, but there are quite a few of his movies I had never seen before. And so I'm doing like a slow binge, not in any order, just, just whatever I could feel like watching. And I watched um, A Throne of Blood for the first time. And that is basically Okurasawa. He's doing his version of Hamlet, but with samurai. And it was fantastic. Just utterly just one of the best movies I've ever seen. And some of this, it was made in the 50s. And some of the camera tricks that he does, and then the amount of extras that he has is staggering. Because I know now that if they tried that, it would be all CG. Right. And just knowing yeah. that he has like hundreds of extras and at the end of the movie um, of oh, the great Otoshiro oh, and Mafune is like under siege from arrows and they're shooting arrows literally within an inch of his face. Oh and I'm God. like, good <laughs> Lord. Like I, I was, I was just blown away by the movie and I was like, you know, what? I'm going to watch another one. So I watched, um, are you a Jimbo for the first time, which is oh, yeah. another classic. I, I had never seen it before. And again, a Mafune is just, the dude's got so much range. It's brilliant movie. And then the last of the Kurosawa movies that I saw, I was Hidden Fortress, which I didn't like as much as Throne of Blood. But what I did appreciate is I'm a big Star Wars fan. Is it's obvious if you if you watch Hidden Fortress, that this was one of George Lucas's all-time favorite movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. There I is, know he's mentioned that before as a, there, an influence, yeah. <laughs> there are so many influences in Star Wars. Like, there are two characters who are basically like, uh, are the comic relief, and I'm like, it's R2-D2 and C-3PO. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. whoa, like, holy shit. Um, that one... As I said, it wasn't as good as the other two, but it's still just a classic. And knowing that he did all these like in the 50s, I'm like, you know, the set design and oh, the camera work, like in Hidden Fortress, there's a horse chase and there's hardly any cuts. Like it's almost like a one In Yojimbo, there's an actual, a legit like 20 second action scene and, and it's a one And I'm like, he was doing this in the 50s. It's, it blows my mind. And yeah. then um, I watched the outlaws for the first time with um, and Ma Dun Suk or Don Lee um, for uh, the Western audiences. Absolute blast. I loved it. Awesome action. It's actually really, really funny. Um, so if anyone listening, Oh, hasn't seen that it's actually out on Tubi and then the sequel, um, Oh, Oh, the roundup, it came out this year. And then um, I, um, last week it was, at time of recording, um, the director of Troy um, and Air Force One and um, oh, The Perfect Storm um, and Wolfgang Peterson oh, passed away. So I watched Troy as like, you know, oh shit, you know, like he passed away. And still a great movie outside of them tweaking all the actual events out of fit the movie. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot of stuff in there where I'm like, that's not actually how that happened historically, <laughs> but you know what? I'll forgive it. And then 
Oh, the last thing I'll talk about, I actually watched right before we uh, we started recording. Um, oh, yesterday was uh, the 30th anniversary of Rapid Fire uh, with Brandon Lee. Oh my God, yes, yes. <laughs> one, of my, one of my all-time favorite movies. I love Brandon Lee. Um, and so I watched that, still holds up. And just oh, seeing his natural skill and talent and charisma for only oh basically like his second movie and like his first real like i'm the only lead is staggering like oh knowing how he was taken so young his audiences oh, were robbed of him he was gonna be huge like after oh showdown in little tokyo and rapid fire and the crow he was gonna be the, oh the guy and you could just yeah. Oh, you could see that on screen that he had, he was able to hold the screen almost as well as his dad. Like, oh, there's a part in rapid fire where he flicks his nose. And I was like, he's doing his dad. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and, oh, but it doesn't seem like it's forced, you know, like a lot of times like you'll see that and it's like, oh, he's doing Bruce Lee. Oh, this was like, oh no, no, that, that makes sense. Like right, he's, right. He's so natural with it. And Powers Booth is just awesome in that movie. Oh my God. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he's like, so good. Oh my just all-time classic, man. And it it's just it it's so sad in hindsight because I, I love Showdown in Little Tokyo. I love Rapid Fire and I love the crow. And just knowing that we only got those three out of him is just it's depressing, but then at least we got those three at least yeah that's true yeah that um because I, li- I love all three of those movies actually and it's like um i felt like whenever i notice stuff that he's doing it reminds me of his dad it always feels like it's just naturally happening it's not like he's trying to make it happen yep. you know what i mean like i'm just noticing and he's not like trying to be like oh this is where i'm gonna, you know do a bruce lee thing um i think he was very aware of that i mean i just saw a clip somebody posted about an interview where he seemed very aware of like you know, his dad's legacy and kind of living his dad's shadow and even kind of like Hollywood nepotism. <laughs> but like, um, I felt like he was trying to do his own thing. And I, I think it came up in an episode with Patrick Bromley about like that guy directors, journeyman directors. And we talked about Dwight H. Little and Rapid Fire, of course, came up uh, because we both love Rapid Fire and talked about Brandon Lee. And I just think, especially after The Crow, I'm like, man, he could have done like anything. And I feel like he he would have still done action, but I think he would have probably gotten away from she the older he got he would have gotten away from it i think he would have been such an interesting actor and like what roles he was in because i felt like he could have done so many different things and yeah it's just a such like such a tragedy that he died so young the way that he did like it's it's hard to watch the crow i mean i love the crow so much but it's like man it just sucks this is like the thing we lost him on um but yeah i just think he would have been so fascinating like it's funny because i'm like would he have been hanging out with these other action guys like would he would he be in expendables movies you know what i mean it's like i almost feel like he would have been like not like above it but maybe he'd been like guys i don't want to retread that i want to do something different i don't know i just think he was so interesting that he would have done very interesting parts as his career went on so i don't know i don't know it's like one of the ultimate like what ifs you know if, if yeah. he was still alive so 100 yeah. percent. Hmm. but um also, your Kurosawa thing, I mean, seeing you post about that on Twitter, and it reminds me I need to watch more of his movies, because I've only seen, like, four or five, which would be, like, Seven Samurai, 
Yojimbo. I saw Hidden Fortress a very long time ago. Uh, there was this thing I used to love on Saturday mornings on I, the IFC channel called Samurai Saturday. And I feel like they played just samurai movies or like every like Saturday morning. And I feel like I saw a bunch of stuff through there. And I know I saw Hidden Fortress. And I think Hidden I saw Fortress Rash- was really good. Um, yeah. A Rashomon obviously is a classic um, for his non-samurai stuff. I think that High and Low is his best work outside of Seven Samurai. Like that movie's brilliant. Um, if you haven't watched it, it's on HBO Max and it's, it's, it's excellent. And then the only other one I've seen of his um, is Ran from, I think it was like 85 or 88. 85 is like, later. Yeah. 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 That one is visually stunning. I've seen, I've seen parts of that movie. It's kind of long. I know I caught it probably on IFC or something, a channel and I'd caught parts of it, but it, even just the but, stuff I saw was amazing visual. Oh, stuff. the color palette is just <laughs> like each one, uh, like, uh, like of the tribes has its own color scheme. And it's like, like, how are you doing this in the eighties at your age? Good Lord, man. He pulled off productions and movies. I don't know how he pulled off at the time he did like, uh, seven samurai never ceases to amaze me. Like, um, I, I, I haven't even seen all his stuff and I will just say like, he's not like my favorite director, but I really think he is one of the best film directors that ever lived. Like just the stuff the, the stuff I've seen, I'm like, this stuff's amazing. He pulled this off. And, you know, it's like, yeah, um, like it's crazy. He's he's my favorite director of all time. And I haven't even seen all his movies, but just every <laughs> single time, like, yeah. oh, Seven Samurai. I've seen that probably 20, 30 times. And each time I pick something that I haven't seen before in it. And I'm just like, how did you pull this off? And then yeah, like, I, um, <laughs> oh, the Hidden Fortress. And like, there's a moment where you know, the, the two like are the comic relief characters are running down a stairway and there's hundreds of extras in costume sprinting down the stairwell at night on a physical set. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? How, how is this possible? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it, it's staggering. It's crazy. He's, he's just one of the best. I don't know. It's like I, every time, yeah, every time I watch something, I'm just completely blown away by his movies. So, and he has a lot of stuff on HBO max. I really need to, dig into that um so i just it sometimes i if i'm tired or if i know i can't if i have no focus uh, if i put a movie on with subtitles it's tough for me because i feel like i get distracted very easily <laughs> like i need same I need with focus me. to watch subtitle stuff and like i gotta be like in the zone um and i can't be doing anything else obviously i gotta p- give my full attention which is how i should watch most things but sometimes maybe you want to like do some work in the background and like if it's a little easier to read everything but uh, no excuse for this. Just give it some time. <laughs> but I've heard High and Low is amazing. I think I've heard High and Low is like one of his best, if not his best, besides Seven Samurai. So um, yeah, I got to check this stuff out. So um, okay, good. Anything else you want to bring up, or was that it? No, man, that's it. That's it. Okay, I have a few. I'll go through them pretty quickly. But uh, uh, a movie I rewatched because I'm pretty sure a mutual friend of ours, Brandon Streisnig, tweeted about it, and I'm curious if you've seen it because I know one of your things on Twitter. Uh, I think you're like, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but would you a tactical action expert for movies, or at least, you know, your stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I call myself the, um, a tactical, a consultant of action Twitter. Uh, 
a lot of our mutuals and friends say that I'm the expert. I don't think I'm an expert, but it's just because, <laughs> I mean, oh, for your audience, I was in the military for seven years and I was in a combat job and I have deployed. So, so for me, it, yeah. if I watch a military movie and it's done wrong, it just, it takes me out of the movie completely. Understandable. I, I, and I don't really think about that stuff. So I feel like I see something like, oh, I watched, I rewatched Sabotage, the Schwarzenegger movie. Have you seen that one? That one is, uh, so <laughs> that one is actually really well done, but it's because of David Ayer. Okay. Oh, David Ayer. Like it's really good. I don't, but I don't know. I was going to ask you, cause it, to me, I'm like looking at how they move and I'm like, this seems very legitimate how this, how they move as a team through like clearing out rooms and buildings. Like, uh, so, so say what yeah. you will about Ayer's movies, at least in, in uh, oh, the tactical aspect of all of his movies, everyone is legit. I haven't seen a one of his movies where I'm like, oh, that's wrong. Like he puts all of his actors through the boot camp. Um, I believe he's ex-military, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was a Marine. Oh, okay. So he, well, he knows all yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> and Sabotage, I actually really enjoy Sabotage. I know a lot of people hate it because it's because <laughs> it's frankly, it, it's a mean fucking movie. Oh my God. That's what I was going to say. Because he brought it up and I, I, it kept popping up on streaming services. And I watched it once like, years ago when it came out on dvd and i i kind of thought i hated it but i i didn't remember and i rewatched it for this and i kind of like it but it's such a mean hateful repugnant movie <laughs> like every character is awful like oh uh, yeah there is not one character in that movie that is redeeming they're all dirtbags and so crazy. when people go yeah. oh like oh i don't like sabotage i'm like i get it Oh I yeah, I totally get it. Um, I, you know, it's intriguing. It's interesting to me, but it's like, it's hard to say, like, I even like it, but I kind of enjoy it. I don't know. It's got some of the craziest violence I've seen in a mainstream movie. I've seen plenty of horror movies. This has violence that ups, that beats out a bunch of those, like a guy hanging from his ceiling with his guts hanging out and like so much insane gore and violence. Like, um, Oh, I, it's a movie. If anyone told me they hate it, I would completely get it. Um, and I don't know how soon I would watch it again, but it's uh, it's intriguing. I know they changed the ending because the ending was going to be even bleaker. It, they kind of went with a more, I don't want to say a beat, a little more action, heroic type note. I won't say what it is, but but uh, I read the original ending. And I was like, oh, that fits more in with what the rest of the movie was. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know why they changed it to the one that they ended up with, which, as you said, it's it's sort of happy, but it's also kind of like it's left to your own devices on, on what you take away from it. But it's like, no, look, oh, the whole movie's awful people. So it shouldn't really get a happy ending in quotes. Yeah. But, yeah. I think they tried. I think the producers told David Ayer to uh make i want to say who a certain character more sympathetic or more heroic even though he's not no one is really here they're all just awful like all the whole time no one's really heroic uh they're all the out to save themselves there's a cop character that's not bad there's like a female police officer that's like the only yeah, one she's okay that's not really doing anything terrible but um i don't know it's it's just brandon wrote about it i was like okay i kind of want to rewatch this now and like it's i like it more than i remembered but you know, I might not rewatch it again for like another 10 years. I don't know, but um, not a fun movie, but interesting. No, no, no it's not like, you know what? I'm in a good mood. I'm going to throw on sabotage. Not right. Uh, like <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Um, 
let me see. I watched uh, a movie that just came out with like no, uh, what's the word? No marketing. I feel like no, nothing. I happened to see a trailer for it like a month ago on YouTube that they suggest like randomly like watch this trailer. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this? It's got Alison Brie and Aubrey Plaza and Molly Shannon and um, a bunch of people I recognize. And it's called Spin Me Round. Um, and I just saw that trending on YouTube. I oh like the trailer was was like on my recommended viewing. I hadn't watched the trailer yet, though. I haven't watched it yet. Interesting. Okay. Uh okay. Spin me round is fine, I guess. <laughs> like it's it's uh it's weird. It's a comedy, but it has this like kind of underlying thriller thing going on that it's not really committing to. <laughs> like you kind of think it's gonna go darker, it never really goes there. Um, but I mean, basically I'll give the plots because people don't know about it. Um, it, it's on AMC plus if you have that streaming service and you can just rent it, I think. Um, but it kind of just dropped on there out of nowhere with no fanfare. Um, Alison Brie plays a woman who's like a manager of like a Olive Garden style Italian restaurant in America. <laughs> and like, they make fun of that. And like she, but she wins like a trip over to Italy. Um, uh, just kind of like a. I don't know what to call it. Like, it's going to be like, oh, you're going to see where we make the food and all this stuff and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's like her and a few other people get picked as like uh, to go on this trip. They kind of win a contest to go over there, the headquarters of this company. And um, she meets the owner who seems a little weird. He's like this you know, rich guy and seems like he's trying to get with her, but he might be trying to get with some other girls in the program that came over. And there's kind of a mystery of, what is he bringing these people over here for? Um, and it's funny. I mean, I laughed out loud a few times, but the tone back and forth is weird. It's like it can't commit to like being a darker thriller. And it's, I don't know, it's just awkward. It's kind of awkward. Like, I don't know. There's a, the, the people are funny. Zach Woods and Tim Heidecker show up. They're really funny. Um, the cast is good. That's kind of why I watched it was the cast, but it like, when I went, when it, when it kind of reached the conclusion it got to, I was like, oh, that's it, huh? Like, it's, it's like the res, the revolution, or oh God, the resolution is not very satisfying. It kind of just ends, uh, and you're kind of like, oh, that was it. Um, I mean, it was a pleasant enough time. It was fine. But uh, um, also, it's just really weird. There's like a main character, a major uh, actor in the movie, and they just like disappear at one point, and it's not explained where they go. <laughs> And I'm like, wait, where did that person go who was like a major part of this movie? Um, so yeah, it's kind of like, kind of feels a little sloppy in ways. I don't know. I mean, I'm making it sound kind of bad. It's really not that bad. I didn't think it was that bad. It was just kind of like, it's fine, but it's got some mixed bag of stuff, basically. <laughs> As you were bringing it up, like I'm, I, I actually got on the um, iTunes store because it's on the front page you know, um, oh. mm -hmm. um, of movies and I don't know what to expect from like oh the poster art where it makes it kind of look like an 80s romance novel. Yeah, that's a weird choice too because it's really not like it's that maybe for like a short time in the movie, but it's not really that either. It's and it says it's a comedy. It, it is a comedy, but it's just got other things going on that make it weird. I don't know. It's very hard to describe. I don't want to start like spoiling stuff, but um I don't know. It's 
it's pleasant enough. I just want to bring it because I don't think it's really anybody's radar that I, it, I, it seemed like, but because um, not in theaters, it just kind of got dropped from the streaming service and like you could pay to rent it too, but like it's all these recognizable people and it's like there wasn't much talk about it. So, you know, I watched it on Saturday morning. It was fine. It was a fine way to spend the time. But when it was over, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that's done. It was you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. One of those weird things where it's like, that's fine. Um, so that's been me round. And uh, uh, there's another new movie that hit streaming and is in theaters that I've been very excited for because I love the first one. This is the prequel to Orphan called Orphan First Kill. I haven't seen it yet. I put it on my wish list on Paramount. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Oh boy. It is banana. <laughs> like it is. <laughs> it is like it, it, oh boy. Uh, one again, I don't want to say too much about. I don't want to give anything away, but like I really love the first Orphan. I think it's this really wacky kind of piece of like it's kind of trashy, but in a way that I like, but it's really inter- super entertaining. The twist like blew me away when it came out. Um and I just thought it was so <laughs> insane and kind of like bold of them to make a prequel to that movie with the same actress who is now in her like early to mid twenties. And they're just going to pretend that she still like looks like a child. <laughs> and like they use all these tricks, like she has doubles and um, there's some pie CGI, but they're not really de-aging her. They're just using all these like kind of, uh, tricks where it's like i think they made like a bunch of the actors wear like very tall shoes around her and to make her look what shorter it's so really weird. yeah um lots of weird stuff like that um oh this is the movie earlier where i was saying my sister and i were watching it and there's some cgi fire that she was like oh that doesn't look good that's like and, no, oh it's got okay. it's got some budget restraints i think i don't think it had a lot of money um the director is william brent bell who did not direct the first orphan He's got a pretty bad track record, except for he made The Boy, which I like, but he also made the sequel to The Boy, which I did not like. And he made that movie called The Devil Inside, which was found footage. And it ends on a, <laughs> it's not even a spoiler, it ends by telling you to go to a website to get more information. <laughs> like it literally. Just- I had heard about this. I like, <laughs> I've never seen The Devil Inside, but I had heard about that. And I'm like, I'm not going to watch it just because of that. I haven't seen either. That's I once I heard that, I was like, well, there's no reason to that movie because it ends with like no resolution apparently, and then just says, go to this website for more information. <laughs> it's like, so he's got a fairly bad track record. Um, this is better than a couple of those, but not as good as the boy. Um, it's kind of going the way you would imagine it to go. I mean, they, they set the whole backstory up with like um Esther before the first movie is in uh, that Sarn Institute that she's in and she finds a family that has a missing child that she kind of resembles. And there's like a four year, uh, she's missing four years. So I think she can pull it off because it's like, okay, I kind of look like her, but it's also been four years. I would look different because <laughs> I'm a young kid. I would, you know, and she goes and it's like a very rich family. Julia Stiles is the mom. And um yeah, I was shocked when I saw the trailer and Julia Stiles was in it. I was like, man, she just shows up every now and then in a movie. She, d- she does. I feel like she was super popular in like the early 2000s, late 90s. And uh, I always liked her, but I was happy to see her in this. Um, she's very committed to the whole thing. She goes for it. Everybody goes for it. Um, there's something that happens about halfway through because it's going kind of standard-ish for a while. And then it kind of like 
takes this turn in the middle that I just was like, <laughs> kind of blown away by. I was like, good for you, movie. You go for it. <laughs> like, um, it, it, it became even more entertaining at that point, And it gets real, real crazy. Um, it's, it's again, it's very like trashy, not that great, but I found it very entertaining, even though it is utterly ridiculous. Like you have to suspend so much disbelief for this movie to work. Like, um, but again, very entertaining. That's all I can say about it. It's just like, I'm going to watch it. Like I said, it's on Paramount, you know, okay. and I have Paramount. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, if it's I might all, just if, save it for oh, like yeah. October time frame, you know, just watching like a good horror movie or even like a trashy horror movie. Yeah, there you go. That's like, uh, it's again, I was on Paramount. It was free. So I was like, well, I'll watch this. Sure. I would have gone to the theater. So it's even better. Um, so, yeah, it's trashy fun. And last thing I will mention, I don't know if you've seen this movie. I'm curious. Um, have you seen Bullet Train with Brad Pitt? I have not. I, um, okay. I, uh, I meant to. And then it was a long weekend at work. Oh, my fiance was also working. And then um, Aaron Vargas, Avar Stunts, he texts me. He's like, oh, we should go see it soon. And I'm like, yeah, you're like, we'll try and find the time. And it just, oh, we haven't worked it out yet. I still want to see it, though. I like the cast. Um, I, I know what to expect also based off of what everyone else who has seen it has said. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I, I'm not expecting the, the a greatest action movie of the year. I'm just expecting a fun time. Right, right. Um, and I think you'll mostly get that. I, I, I feel like people on Twitter set me up to expect like the worst. And uh, a lot of people didn't like it. I mean, that's fine. I get it. Um, it's a weird mixed bag where it's like, some things completely grated on me and I hated, and then some things I thought were cool and fun and funny. And it's, I go from one minute being like, Ugh, to the next minute being like, okay, this is fine. Like, it's just like, there's this whole running thing with um, Brian Tyree Henry's character where he's obsessed with like Thomas, the tank engine. And it keeps coming up. And I'm just like, this is not <laughs> that funny enough. If you be, come up like, 15 times in this movie <laughs> like um i did they think they thought it was so clever and this kept bringing it up and i'm like oh my god okay got it and stuff like that was kind of annoying but then like i don't know there's some funny stuff there are some good fight scenes um uh but not as good as i expected it to be like with david Ledich and that stunt team like um i was a little let down by the action at some points i, I was I, I don't know i was uh Apparently Brad Pitt did a bunch of his own stunts, which is cool. But um, I don't know. I it's it's kind of a mixed bag. Like David Ledich is like a guy I think a lot of people don't like. And like um uh, his post John Wick stuff is like um I, I think I like it more than most people. <laughs> like um I liked this fine enough. I I didn't like I didn't like Hobbs and Shaw though. Um I, I thought Hobbs and Shaw for what it was was fun. I um uh it was Mike Scott. Uh I think he put it uh, um uh, of the best way where he's like, Oh, lightish movies are, they're always going to be oh two out of five or two and a <laughs> half out of five, you know, like three yeah. range where it's like the, the, they won't ever be a four star movie, but you know what you are going to get, which is an entertaining time that has some flaws and a lot of forced humor that may or may not work for you. Like it was that way 
on Deadpool 2 and Hobbs and Shaw. And I've heard the same thing on Bullet Train. I mean, the only movie that he did that was more serious and in the vein of John Wick was Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Which I kind of, so, I think I kind of like, and I kind of want to do a podcast on someday because I think, I if I remember right, I ever watched it in a long time. I kind of remember liking it more than a lot of people. I thought it was kind of underrated. <laughs> like, uh, I I yeah. like the action aspect of it, but I think the script is kind of a mess. Where that, yeah, like you might be right. About there's that. just plot <laughs> twist for the sake of plot twist, and I was like, this doesn't really make sense. Okay, but I mean, oh, the style of it is so good, and that '80s vibe, and like all the covers that they have of like all the eighties, you know, like all the eighties bands, right. but they're done in Russian or German, like all that stuff kind of work. And Charlize Theron is always just, she's always going to get at least a viewing out of me because she's so talented. I'm not only as an actor, but as like an action performer as well, that I'm always going to watch anything she does. Yeah. I remember her being really good and committed to the, the whole thing and doing the action and, um, yeah, I don't know. And then like Deadpool 2 was exactly what I expected Deadpool 2 to be. So it's like that's not a surprise. Like um, they had more money than the first Deadpool. And yeah, um, I think the humor is probably the the Achilles heel of his stuff. I think it's like um, I do think it's funny that he's done all these different things. And like Chad Stahelski has just stayed and helmed the John Wick series. I mean, he's been great at it, so I'm glad he's been doing it. But I think it's interesting that like because I know David Ledger really gets uncredited on the first John Wick as like a co-director it's technically what happened i think um but like he's gone this one way with stuff and then chat sales he's just been doing john wick movies and doing a great job but like um i just find that interesting but um i don't know bullet train is i I thought it was fine so you know it's like it's a mixed bag one minute i'm groaning the other minute next minute i'm laughing so you know it's fine it's fine (laughs) so uh, because i always sit here and, and say i want more like original movies i know it's based on like a novel but um but, you know, just original, especially like action movies with all these stars. But, um, you know, it's a little disappointing, but it's at the end of the day, it's not a, it's not a big deal. It wasn't like I hated it or anything. So. Um, so, yeah, that was all I had. Um, so I guess we can we can get into Tron and Tron Legacy. Um, Let's do it. I've been <laughs> so excited to talk about these movies. I have too. I guess we should get onto the grid and uh, like, I guess we should start way back with the first Tron in 82. Uh, and I will tell you right away, a movie I knew about my whole life, but I did not see until right before Tron legacy came out. <laughs> I was super late to it. So, I'm so I don't. Yeah. So I actually asked my stepdad about this. And he says that when it came out on VHS is when I watched it because um, it came out in 82. So I was one. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. oh, they weren't taking me to a theater, but when it came out on VHS years and years later, I was already into video games. And, you know, here I was seeing, you know, that Sean is basically it's a video game movie with or without the video game. I was like, oh, hell yeah, I want to watch this. Since then, I've seen it a handful of times. I hadn't seen it in years, probably since Tron Legacy was coming out. Um, and even since then, I've only watched Legacy. Like, I, you know, I don't watch the first one all that much. And so when, when I rewatched it for the podcast, it's very dated in terms of its visuals. I mean, oh, let's just get that out of the way. But it still holds up. I really enjoyed it this time around. And I mean, I had enjoyed it before, but this time I was like, man, this is still a really good movie. Yeah, I, I agree. And it was funny because I know when I saw it, 
before Tron Legacy uh, that I kind of remember thinking it was a little boring and a little slow. But this time around, I didn't feel that way. And I liked it more than I remembered um, because I like the first Tron. But I I think the fact that the, the technology they were having to work with, I almost feel like kind of hindered them from uh, doing <laughs> doing some things like in the movie because they they were kind of limited i think with how much they could move and how much they could do because of how precise the visuals had to be you know i don't know if you ever watched anything about like the making of the first tron but like uh groundbreaking obviously but i feel like almost that it's like we have to we have to make this thing and it has to look a certain way and they're a little bit a little bit boxed in by just having to to make it look the way that it looks, if that makes sense, if that, if I miss so yeah, that, like, yeah, <laughs> when they're in the, um, oh, the disc battle, when yeah. oh, Jeff Bridges he first arrives on the grid, and then they do, um, is it highlight? Is that the name of the game? Uh, basically, like, yeah, yeah, I think that's where it. they yeah. do, oh, like, oh, that version, and they hardly move around, oh, because they're locked into. He has to land on this mark because yes. oh, the effects are going to take the floor piece out and you could oh you could tell that oh, there's one thing that i really and enjoy about the movie is oh for the time and the technology available this movie was like way ahead of its time super ambitious oh yeah. like oh they this bit is... off they bit <laughs> yeah. off way more than they could chew <laughs> and they said fuck it and went with it and like, oh, the costumes are very dated. You know, like you could see, you know, that it's cloth, you know, like even how they move. Like everybody just seems really stiff because they're in these, are these costumes that, oh, they have to walk a certain way because, oh, the effects afterwards have to highlight certain areas of the costume. And I mean, other oh, characters aren't that deep either, but I mean, oh, you're in it for the visuals and like, of the light cycle race, which now looks like Pong, basically. <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. If you look at our video games now, but back then you're like, oh shit, look at that thing. It's turning super fast. Like it, there's certain things about it that I, I forgot. Like how the movie just kind of ends. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it does kind of end, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, like um, yeah. <laughs> okay, and oh, Jeff Bridges is kind of a dick in the first movie. <laughs> He's a little standoffish, I would say. Uh, he got burned, though, by the, by Encom. So, you know, yeah. it's like... And then, um, I mean, the late, great um, oh, David Warner. He's he's awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, he's, he's always great. I, I just We talked about him in the, the Turtles podcast when he's in that movie. And I feel yep, like yep. he's a guy that always just brings it no matter what movie he's in. Like Tron or Ninja Turtles, he's like... He's probably like, I don't know what the hell's going on, but I'm going to act. Oh, when <laughs> I was listening to that episode, I was like, I was like, I, I wonder if Matt planned this out that he's going to talk about oh, David Warner in quick succession. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was a complete accident, uh, but it, it did work out that way. Uh, that it just he keeps coming up. But um, and he's just I, he's so committed. He's in these like crazy movies. And I imagine sometimes he's like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm here. I'm going to act. So, you know, it's like... And then I had forgotten the, uh, uh, you know, the aspect um of the master 
a control program where basically like it's like an evil AI, you know, that wants to take over everything. And I was like, I, I, man, I forgot about this. Like when. Oh, you shot me like a list of movies like, oh, like, oh, here's all the ones, you know, they have on deck, you know, if you want to talk about. Oh, yeah. And I saw, <laughs> yeah. And when I saw that Tron was on there, I was like, I haven't seen Tron in probably like 10 years. I was like, all right. Yeah. You know, cool. And watching it this last time for the podcast, there were so many elements that I forgot about. Like you weren't immediately put in Tron. Like it sets up the human characters and, oh, the laser and Encom and Jeff Bridges character and how, oh, he used to be a programmer, you know, but he was fired. And oh, now he owns this arcade and he sweats a lot. Like, good Lord, he was really sweaty in the arcade scene. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but, and also how young he was. Like, I totally forgot. I was like, oh shit, this is a young Jeff Bridges. Cause I'm so used to him now. Like he always has the beard and the long hair and, you know, he, uh, for some reason he kind of talks like his character out of true grit now all the time. Um, but oh, then when it gets into Tron, like onto the grid, it throws a lot of information at you that you are expected just, uh, to just understand like right. every single yes. one of the characters <laughs> in Tron is a program for something else. Like, oh, his buddy, and I'm drawing a blank on the character's name, but oh, his buddy is an accounting program. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then they talk about oh the bits and RAM and this and that and it's a lot of jargon that now is commonplace. But back then, I don't think the audiences were prepared for something like that. And they don't do a lot of like, okay, this is a hard drive. This is this. They just throw you in and expect you to just go and understand and be along for the ride. They really do. They um I was thinking that I was like, man, I, I like Tron. I probably could not like concisely tell you the plot of Tron. Uh, and it was funny because the first letterbox review I saw was somebody saying like, my watch was my kid and my kid turned to me and said, that looks really cool. I don't understand what just happened. <laughs> it's like, it's like, that's kind of Tron. It's like, it's like, it looks really cool. I don't quite, I, I still am like, okay, I, I know basic things that happen. I kind of know the basic plot, but like to give you like plot details, I'm still like, huh? Like, um, it's just, it's, it's yeah. also a very simple movie where it's like, and we'll get into Tron Legacy. They're, they're, what was shocking for me is that, you know, I watched Tron and then, oh, the next day I watched Legacy. They're almost a, a Legacy is almost a remake in a way, in terms of like plot and pacing. It's the same general premise, which is in the first one, oh, Jeff Bridges is dropped into Tron. He has to get out to the portal. And it's basically just a sprint out to the portal. The movie's right. very simple. And along the way, you know, he has to fight the bad guys. He has to fight a giant, <laughs> a giant version of David Warner's character. <laughs> yeah, I forgot who about for that. For some reason, yeah. <laughs> grows to like, over 30 feet tall and then he has to get into the portal and throw um, him and Tron have to throw his disc at master control that has the simplest of force fields where like if you're looking at it now you're like why didn't he just throw under or like on top <laughs> or over under over yeah it was like but it's like you know at the time you're like 
as we said, like, no, oh, you have to throw at this angle because the disc has to go to this point. And then looking at it now, and they're just holding frisbees. Right. I don't... <laughs> I'm like, one time I was like, that's just straight up a frisbee. I think they tried to like hide it sometimes, and it's like double sided there was one time and i was like that's just a frisbee you guys painted but yeah. it, it was a straight up frisbee dude like no <laughs> joke i'm not even trying to hide it it was a glow-in-the-dark frisbee <laughs> i mean yeah they're working with what they had it's uh it was it is funny bringing it. it's like it's kind of simple because when it was over uh i was like oh i guess this really was just about like jeff bridges getting out of there and kind of getting his um getting his credit back from David Warner for the work he did. That's kind of like, he clears that up at the end and you're kind of like, Oh, that's it. Okay. We're done. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it, yeah. Also what I thought was weird was, okay. So he gets these printouts that I guess these printouts are going to prove that oh, David Warner is the one oh, that stole these video games from him. But it's like, I guess I'm looking at it from what we could do now. And I'm like, Oh, that could be photocopied and like photoshopped. But, uh, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, these executives at Encom just oh trust the fact that of oh, these printouts that he got from inside Encom are like are enough to prove you know that he wasn't lying. And then it does like a jump cut, and it's got um um what's his name um Bruce Boxleitner. Yeah, his. Oh, his character and the girl on the rooftop and Jeff Bridges flies in on a helicopter. Like, I guess he's in charge of income now. Yeah, that's what they, it happened so fast. And then they oh, hug and then it cuts to credits. And I was like, oh, the movie's over. Right. Like, oh, that's what we're doing. OK, great. It's over. What? I'm like, because it, it's a pretty it's a fairly it's not like it's short, but it's an hour and a half, like flat. It's just an hour and a half long movie. And they have a lot to do in an hour and a half. Like, um, that's why I don't know why I thought it was like kind of slow or boring, because it doesn't waste a lot of time. Like it does set up stuff outside of the world before you go in, before he gets like, you know, lasered into, to Tron uh, basically, but uh, to that world, but it, it moves along pretty well. Um, and then it just kind of, like you said, it just kind of ends. And you're like, Oh, okay. Uh, I guess we're done. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's weirdly straightforward, but I think they throw so much, like you said, jargon at you that it's kind of, your head's kind of spinning. We're trying to follow like, who's doing what and what's this and what's that, you know, it's kind of like, especially 82. I met people were just like, what's going on away by the vision. And, <laughs> you know, and then you got, you know, there's that moment where uh, you have oh, Jeff Bridges and he's piloting that, Oh, that two leg thing. And he's doing his best oh, Shatner impression from the classic star Trek episodes of him trying to fly this thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Where like he's shifting on the handle, like he's being thrown across the room, and I'm like, dude, the thing's moving in a straight line. <laughs> like that's, that's true. I yeah. don't know how they made that movie then, and what type of direction oh they were giving when they had to hit certain marks just to get these effect shots in. It I mean, like it seems incredibly difficult. I mean, it really, yeah. Even now, it would be like you know an actor on a green screen just all green screen. It would be the Star Wars prequels where it's like, oh, you know, like you're acting against a tennis ball and there's going to be this big <laughs> creature later. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think I'm more easy on the movie oh, knowing what it took to make it now right. than I like, because I know a lot of people like, and we'll get into it. They... 
and they attack all the facial animations on Tron Legacy. But I forgive oh that movie for the same issues that I forgive oh, oh, the first Tron, which is they were reaching for the stars on that movie way before the tech was available. And like, imagine if they made Tron now. It would be $200 million budget. Every effects house in the world would be working on it. You know what I mean? And like, oh, yeah, they yeah. didn't have that kind of technology back then. And they still swung for the fences anyways. It may not have hit in every way, but it's still an entertaining movie. And I had a good time watching it. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, speaking of budgets, I know Tron Legacy in 2010 cost $170 million, which is a it, lot now. It's even it, more in 2010. <laughs> like, and it shows, though. It does. Oh, yeah. You see the money. Tron and, Legacy looks expensive. It really does. I We'll get into it more. I Because uh, I was going to say, compared to Tron's budget, 82, which was, I think, supposed to be only 10, but it got up to 17, it says, which is a lot of money, 82. Um, oh, that's a lot of money. And but it for what they bombed. were doing, I'm surprised it didn't cost more. Um, like, because groundbreaking technology and like this had never been done before. I was trying to Google if it even had been done afterwards, but like, but nothing really looks like the first Tron. And nobody, I think, really even attempted it because I think it was so painstaking. <laughs> they were just like, it wasn't worth it. Because I think you, I'm I, sorry, I think, I think I cut you off. But were you going to say that the first one bombed? Yeah, it's it's funny because I thought it bombed worse than it did. It it made so it cost 17 and it looks like it made uh, 33 million, which, which I, isn't it, which isn't that, bad. Right. I think Disney just had very high expectations because um, they were marketing it pretty hard. Shocker oh, oh, that Disney <laughs> thought it would be bigger than it was. Well, and Disney was going through a real rough patch at this time in the early 80s. Um yeah, that's right. That's right. They, things were not going well. The live act stuff wasn't going well. The animated stuff wasn't going well. They had lost uh, Don Bluth and a bunch of other animators because um, he was making the movie Secret of Nim, which I watched his whole video on Tron today. It was very interesting about like the history of Tron and like Disney, I guess, you know, didn't want to get beat out by Don Bluth and Secret of Nim. So they pushed Tron like up into the summer to get ahead of Secret of Nim and kind of doomed it because summer of 82 is so unbelievably stacked with great movies like um star trek 2 wrath of khan et uh blade runner the thing what else came out um good lord what a year and i was only one so i missed all summer yeah uh rocky three um wow uh, there's so many so they put tron up against those yeah, and I think the worst problem was it went up against E.T., which was, like, destroying everything. Um, and you're kind of fighting for the same audience of, like... E.T. was a phenomenon. E.T. Yeah. was a phenomenon. Oh, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior came out in 82. I mean, 82 is insane. It's one of the best movie years ever. The summer is insane. And, like, so Tron did okay. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, but it got steamrolled by E.T. Um, it didn't do as much as Disney wanted to do. That's why it's like it was a cult hit and like the Disney was hesitant to push any more on it. And it took almost 30 years to make the sequel, <laughs> like um, because it kind of just didn't I don't know, just didn't quite go like they wanted to. But like um, but yeah, what an undertaking. And like this guy who directed it had really done nothing before. He was an animator and he had this like I can't remember the name of he had like an animating studio 
and they brought this to Disney and Disney was so everybody else passed on it, like Paramount, uh, MGM, any studio you could think of passed on Tron. And Disney was like so desperate, apparently they were like, we'll take the chance on Tron, whatever this is, we'll do it. And like uh, Steven Lisberger is his name. And uh, they gave him a shot uh, and they were like, sure, go for this. And like, it's funny because Tron was a thing I knew about as a kid. I'm surprised I didn't watch it because I think I would have loved it as a kid. But I think it was, you know, it's at this weird time when like it was the 90s into the 2000s. And I think Tron at that point was like very dated. And I think now it's kind of like retro cool dated a little bit more like it's still very dated but like in the 90s i was like ew this is this is like you know this is very this is not cool i mean this is not cool retro this is just old and um but now i look at it and kind of appreciate it for what it is especially with like i know how hard it was to make and like i give them i think i give them a lot of slack too because just from a technical standpoint just super hard to make this movie and um i can't imagine making it no, I can't. Even now, even now, like I can't imagine being like, okay, so we're going to oh, make technology to make this movie possible. I'm like, uh, yeah. what? <laughs> really what they were doing like was like making up the technology to do this movie that had not been used before and hasn't really been used again as much as, you know, um, I, as far as I know for a whole movie. Um, and it's funny because you watch the behind the scenes and like the the costumes they wear are just like black and white. And they're in like completely just black backgrounds like it's and they had like nothing to work off of, which I know is like the case for a lot of green screen type movies. But when you there's just so much nothing in the first like when you watch Violent Seas of Tron, it's like they really had to use their imaginations because I imagine they probably were like, what the hell are we doing here? Because I, I I don't see anything. <laughs> you know, It's like it's it's very impressive, really, when you look at it. it yeah. And like. Uh, it's so funny, like how, uh, like how the technology has advanced. Where, like, uh, oh, when Jeff Bridges takes over that little ship thing, right, and he's talking, oh, oh to the bit, his yeah. eye line is not matching up in any way, shape, or form, like at <laughs> all. And it's almost like they're like, oh, look in this general direction, oh, Jeff, over here, Jeff, right here, <laughs> close, close enough. enough. Yeah, <laughs> and now, now if you do something like that, it's so noticeable even with like other technology that we have now or when someone's eye line isn't matching up like on Jurassic park uh, or Jurassic world, like uh, uh, there was one moment where I was like, his eye line doesn't match up. And that's for a movie now. Like imagine having to direct Jeff Bridges in 1980 or 81 and be like, okay, so you're going to be staring at this floating thing. That's going to be going back, back, back at you. And it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I it's it's crazy. Like the and uh and I, I do say I, I love Jeff Britt as an actor. I think he's one of my favorite actors, honestly. And uh um and he's he, you mentioned he's super young in Tron. Like I'm always shocked when I see him uh especially before he goes into the game or the computer, I don't know what you even call it, the computer world, the the you know, like in that world. Um I'm like, you're like a baby. And I'm also I was impressed this time, because uh, I didn't think much of anything outside of the the world that they're in like uh that but the, it looks it's a pretty good looking movie outside of that there's a whole scene where they're sitting in his like uh the room in his arcade it's got oh, yeah, like, the loft cool, yeah the loft these neon lights coming in I'm like, it's a good looking movie outside of the stuff in the 
I keep calling it Tron World. I don't know. But like that that stuff, I'm like, um, it does look pretty good. And like, you know, I, I think the actors do a pretty good job for like how limiting it must have been to be working with basically nothing in blank space. So Yeah. 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 But yes, I was glad you picked this one because I think I say that giant list of movies which is super random. Anyone who's seen it is like, what? This is, I know it's all over the place, but I think it's something I throw on the list. Um, it was Tron and Tron Legacy. What I was really excited to talk about was Tron Legacy because I... Same, to be totally honest. Okay, that's fine. I mean, as I, much I, as I love Tron, <laughs> I'm one of those people where I'm like, look, I know the technology wasn't there and that the faces don't look good. Tron Legacy still fucking rules. Like, <laughs> right. I'm a defender of Tron Legacy since it came out. I saw it in the theater opening weekend. I, I was I there. Too. I was ready to go. And I've been beating the drum for it ever since. I really, really love Tron Legacy, and I think it's very underrated. I'm very mad we haven't gotten a sequel uh, to this day. Again, like the same thing with Tron. It's like, what? It's, oh, it did well, but not well enough, I guess, for Disney. Um, and I, but yeah, so I put Tron Legacy on there, and I was like, well, if we're going to talk Tron Legacy. I might as well throw Tron in there because they go hand in hand, obviously. And, uh, but I mean, Tron Legacy is, I, I saw it in, I think, I know I saw it in 3D. I think I saw it in IMAX 3D. And I didn't see a lot of stuff that way. But I think that was by far the best thing I saw in that format. It played, it looked so good in IMAX 3D. It was like one of the best movie going experiences I've ever had. Because it was like, it just looked so good. I remember me and my friends like leaving the theater. All like kind of buzzing about how good the movie was. And how cool it looked. And then we had Taco Bell afterwards. It was a great night. Uh, it was like, it's a great time. <laughs> but like, yeah, the IMAX 3D, it played so well. It looks so good. And it still looks so good, I think. It, okay, maybe the first Tron's dated. I think Tron Legacy holds up visually amazingly. I, just... I Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> so I have the Blu-ray as well. I, um, I didn't see it in 3D. I can't watch movies in 3D. I get headaches. Um, but I saw it in IMAX in the theater. It was like, whoa. And when it came out on Blu-ray, I bought it. And now I have, you know, other fancy TV. And I could have watched it on Disney Plus, but I'm like, my internet can be kind of spotty sometimes. So I don't want it, you know, uh, to do like the fuzzy look to it or whatever. And so Mm -hmm. I put in my Blu-ray. And when he first gets sucked into the grid and it does like that flash real fast and he kind of lands, I was like, man this is a good looking movie and then when he gets onto the grid and when he exits oh flynn's arcade in the grid and goes out out to the digital world i'm like this movie's fucking impressive like the lighting all the effects of the green screen is still some i think of the best i've seen in a while and just every shot in the movie just has like a crispness to it but it's 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 um oh kaczynski and like that dude i I think he's an underrated filmmaker especially in terms of his visuals like he did oh that tom cruise movie um oh oblivion oblivion yeah yeah thank you (laughs) that movie's okay from a script standpoint but visually it's a stunner Yes, like he I just watched it for the first time like a year ago. And it was I was very like the story was kind of like so so, but I yeah, the, the score and the visuals were great, which is also like Tron Legacy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like the story I think is better in Tron Legacy. But yeah, it's oh yeah 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 uh, and, like yeah, 
I think Sean Legacy does what any good sequel should do, which is it ups the stakes. And like I like I tweeted after um, oh, the rewatch that I think Tron Legacy has a real heart to it and yes. emotion to yeah. it that wasn't in the first movie. Like the whole, uh, like the relationship with Sam and Jeff Bridges' characters is really genuine. Like when they are, are reunited, it's like, it's kind of heartwarming. And then uh, like the whole relationship that um, and Olivia Wilde's character brings and like her almost being kind of innocent to yeah. like the world yeah. outside of the grid is like super charming. And then, uh, oh, the stakes are higher. Or it's like, yeah, like in the first one, this a computer program is going to take over the world. Okay. In this one, <laughs> Clue has figured out how to get his army into the real world and wipe us out. Like there's... Right. A lot higher stakes in legacy than other than there was in the first one. I agree 100%. Also, I don't know why I couldn't think of the grid for the past like five minutes. I was like, the cyber world, Tron. No, the grid. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I haven't had dinner, people. I'm hungry. Uh, yes, the, the grid is the world they go to. <coughs> oh, sorry. <coughs> I'm choking a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's the so Tron, the first Tron's a little cold just from the fact that there's no real like emotional thing to the hook to the story it's just kind of like jeff bridges wants his credit for his work back and wants to stop this computer system from like i guess taking over the world i'm still not even clear if that's what's going on but like yeah like and then tron legacy i just think it i mean i hate i mean sorry people like love the first tron i like the first tron but i think tron legacy just does everything better because it comes in and like the the stakes are clearer and i think higher and the whole i mean i'm a real sucker for like a good father son story and i think it's very it works really well with jeff bridges uh and garrett headland um them reuniting is great uh like that whole thing is more of an emotional hook Olivia wild is great i do like her the whole character kind of like being kind of childlike innocent um that whole thing like I'm just I, I I was watching I watched Tron Tron Legacy not quite back to back but like a day apart and I just I find myself it's easier for me to get into Tron Legacy because there's that emotional hook and like to me the stakes are way clearer what's going on yeah <laughs> like, like I'm just like okay I get this way more than what's going on the first Tron and I mean and, and like in terms of plot they're they hit a lot of the same beats like there's that moment in the first Tron where um, Oh, Jeff Bridges character uh, and Tron are like on like almost like that airliner kind of ship, like, uh, you know, on the energy beam, right? It's going towards other destination. Well, they use that very same scene in Tron Legacy, but there's more of a conversation of like, like, oh, Jeff Bridges and Sam are talking about like, oh, the motorcycle oh, that he used to have. And he's like, oh, you wrecked my bike? And he's like, no, man, I was sitting in a shed, you know, for 20 years, like I'm fixing it up. He's like, oh, that's great. Right? And he's talking about the fact that, uh, you know, oh, there's Wi-Fi now and there's just like oh, yeah. all those moments or whatever. But then also what it does, I think way stronger than the first film is that it explains a lot more of the rules and what's going on. Because you get oh, Jeff Bridges telling his son, what happened like he was coming in here every night because after the events of the first movie he realized that there was this whole other world so he comes in here he makes another version of the grid 
like an updated version and he makes a clone of himself basically in the digital space and then oh the world evolves on its own and they yeah, go into yeah. detail about all the isos and like the war that happened and how clue turned against him because he felt slighted like and yeah the uh, the face mapping on are uh, the young jeff bridges are the, the and cg face on clue isn't great right i don't but, think it's ever going to be great you know it's like that that technology i mean it'll get better obviously but uh, sorry to sorry to interrupt but i i oh, saw no, no, a movie no, no, no. from this year uh the ryan reynolds movie on netflix called the adam project that they de-age oh, what's the actress's name that they de-age oh, i heard about this it was Catherine hahn right it no it's not Catherine hahn i think it is Catherine something oh sorry you're driving me nuts hang on one second <laughs> but the they de-age this i woman, heard it was terrible and i heard it was horrible. absolutely terrible and it's really bad. Like it's in Catherine Keener, Catherine Keener, Catherine Keener. They de okay, yeah. her and it's maybe the worst I've ever seen. So I'm like the Toronto legacy one, not great. I think it gets actually gets better when they're in the grid, but there's a, the first shot in the beginning of the movie, when he turns around to young Sam does not look oh, good. It says that we're still on the same team. It's like, it's like, oof. Yeah, but, they linger on it too long. The lighting, but then in the grid, it's darker. So I think it kind of works a little better, but it is, it's got an uncanny valley thing to it that's always yeah the eyes weird. don't really match but like when he's doing <laughs> yeah. like when clue's doing oh, oh basically like oh, his version of a hitler speech and like oh, his yeah. hair kind of drops into his face a little bit i'm like like i'm sorry it doesn't look bad like i buy it and plus i'm more oh, forgiving of it because it's supposed to be a computer version of Jeff Bridges yes. who doesn't age. This is a great point you just brought up. <laughs> yes. So like, yeah. plus, again, like the first movie, this movie was ambitious. Like it reached for the stars. Like it literally took Jeff Bridges and was like, okay, so we're gonna I'll make you look like you are 30 years younger, but you're acting with yourself. That's pretty impressive oh, given oh, when it was made. If they did it now, oh, I, oh, they could do like all the technology that they use, you know, like on the Mandalorian, on Luke Skywalker and the, the um, oh, what's that technology called? Oh, um, oh the face, face stuff. You know, like, or I just, yeah, yeah. De-aging, you know, like I don't they, know what to call it, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like, oh, they could do that and probably uh, recreate it way better. But I think for the time, it kind of adds to the charm. And like I said, I'm more easy on it because I'm like, well, it's supposed to be a computer version of Jeff Bridges. It's not supposed to be Jeff Bridges. And I think that's why that opening shot of him looks so bad is because you know that that's yeah. an actual human. Mm -hmm. Like, if that makes sense. And then, like, when they get into the flashbacks and they show um, um, oh, um, oh, Bruce's character of Tron, it always kind of has a haze over the flashback. So it's not as noticeable that it's not that good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, yeah. I mean, it, it, that's a great point. So I can't at some point this out about like the de-aging. You can make it work. I think from the story perspective of like, well, this is a computer program. So sure. It looks kind of fake. That's it's like, that has an excuse. You know what I mean? Like, and, as much as maybe we're stretching or reaching, I feel like that works. But yeah, then the first time you see him, though, maybe it's kind of jarring, too, because the first time you see him with the de-aging, and I think it's just the way that it's shot and lit. They kind of linger on it too long. It's a little weird. But um, I never had a problem with it as much as most people do. I really, and I accept it. It's fine. Like, I understand what's going on. Like, um, 
and I think it still works from a performance standpoint. It, there's always going to be a little weirdness, no matter I think how good it is. Um, just especially if you know that the person is being de-aged, well, you're like, well, I know Jeff Bridges is like 30 years older here. So, you know, it's like, because um, I thought the Luke Skywalker one was kind of good, but it, I, I knew it was not real. So it, you know, kind of threw me off, obviously. Yeah. So. And then like, 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 and especially when you watch the extra features and you see that it technically for a lot of the clue stuff, it wasn't Jeff Bridges. Like, oh, Jeff Bridges went, he acted out the lines and everything like that. And they did like, oh, the digital scan of his face, but it was somebody else. Like it was yeah. very similar to the, uh, um, uh, um, oh, the Grand Moff Tarkin stuff in Rogue One, where it's like, oh, there was an actor on set who was doing this. And then they did the CG over it. Right. And again, like for the time, that's pretty impressive. But what's more impressive is probably my favorite scenes of the movie are when they get into the games. Oh my God. The stuff in the games is so much fun. And it's like, that's again, something where, and I know that it's not fair to compare the technology, but I think the technology jump makes the game so much more exciting and fun compared to the first Tron. Like they're a little static in the first Tron, but in this one, they're so dynamic and so exciting. Like I, I wish there was even more of the game stuff actually. Like, well, oh, when Sam gets dropped in, he's like, he's like, Oh, I have a figure of you on my shelf. And then they start throwing the disc and it's not Frisbees this time. It's like these rings, like these energy rings. Yeah. And just other oh, movements and Kaczynski knows oh, like when to slow down the camera, like oh, when Sam throws his disc at Rinsler, who, who we finally find out is Tron, but like, oh, like a oh, reprogrammed. And he does that like sideways flip in like slow motion as the disc goes under him. I'm like, man, this is like, and that one perfect shot on Twitter, you know what I mean? Like, damn, this is impressive. And then you get into, into the light cycle stuff. And I'm like, this is what, when I think of the first Tron, like, or when I saw it as a kid, oh, this must be what I thought I was seeing is something of this level. Cause, cause that light cycle sequence is awesome. Oh my God. Yes. It's so good. Like I was loving that. And yeah, the disc stuff and they're like, um, that's what I remember. It's even better than I remembered it being, because I haven't seen the movie in like a few years. I would say, like, I, I saw it when it came out. And then I think I saw it like as soon as they hit Blu-ray, uh, probably like a year later, or maybe less. And I don't know if I watch it since then I've wanted to rewatch it for a while. Um, which is the reason it's on that list. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, thank God. Someone finally picked Tron and Tron legacy. And like, um, it, I mean, yeah, the, the light cycle thing is so much fun and they can do so much more stuff with that than they could in the first Tron. Like just, just going, there's different levels to the, the place where they're racing and just like, um, I don't. It just looks so, and good. it's very video gamey too. Like yeah. when they're racing on the rings and they're hitting like the speed boost arrows. Yeah, it makes yes, like that sound effect. I was like, I've done that on Mario Kart. Right. They're like, <laughs> like that's in Mario Kart, voom, voom. and they're getting like higher pitched. You know, like the more they hit in a row, you know, like they're getting that boost. But like that first shot when Sam like oh he takes his handle apart and jumps in the air, and you yeah. see the light cycle all form around him and you know and you see the engine being built and everything like that i was like oh this is so good not to mention it's got the soundtrack oh that just yeah. fucking <laughs> rules oh daft punk just coming out of nowhere <laughs> out of score the movie and like every track on it is just a straight 
like it's on my gym rotation because I'm like, man, this soundtrack just rules. <laughs> I have a couple in my workout mix too. I can't remember which one to say. I we got to talk about the score, but Daft Punk. I'm glad you brought it up. It's it's incredible. It's one of my favorite scores. I I don't listen to as many film core, film scores. I feel like I want to, but like the Tron Legacy score by Daft Punk has been in my rotation for like since it came out. Like yep, I same. I'm, Same. always so happy when like any song pops up uh on like shuffle I'm like oh sweet like you know it's like it's from tron and they killed it and they're like they're like the perfect um i feel like group to do a soundtrack for this because it fits so well like oh god yeah it's like it's like yeah <laughs> oh there's that one scene when sam goes to meet the uh like Oh, the agent who's going to help him. And it turns out it's Michael Sheen doing his best impression of Ziggy Stardust ever. <laughs> and he's just goofy. And, and he's almost doing like a Charlie Chaplin thing as well. You know, like when he walks. Oh, yeah. It does like spins the cane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like spins the cane. But when like all the bad programs all jump in and the music kicks and Olivia Wilde, like, oh, she pauses in slow motion. I'm like, let's fucking go. This <laughs> this movie's awesome. This soundtrack rules. It fits perfectly with the tone of the movie and the style of the movie. Like it. Oh my God. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. There's a, uh, and there's a song. It's hard to pick like a favorite from the score. There's a song that plays like right after they leave the end of the line club when the elevator is falling. I think the track is called fall. It's so awesome. It's just very like percussion based thing. It's like bump, 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 bump. Yep. It's like this, like, and it's just so like, get your heart racing. <laughs> like, um, I'm doing it no justice for what I just did, but it's, it's like, I, I want, that's why I think I was most excited to talk about with you was the Daft Punk score. And I was like, I know Chris has to love this Daft Punk score because it's, it's so good and it fits the movie so well. Like, it's not just like a cool score for this game, a cool score. It's like, it fits the world they're in. I love they're even in the movie for that little, they're in the club as the DJ. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, yeah, man, it's so good. Like every every part of the score is great. Like every song is great. I feel like that pops up. I, I man, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, and then like, you know, again, going back to like what I said about it, it expands on everything in the first movie. Is it still has all the same ships, but they're just elevated. And then instead of light cycles, also now there are light planes as well you know that form the same way you know, like around yeah. of the pilot and like oh you get that moment when the like um oh they're being chased and it turns into basically i guess oh oh kaczynski doing his version of top gun oh before he got top gun maverick but <laughs> yeah that with light planes yeah. and it's a dog fighting scene and it's like oh my this is this is some good shit <laughs> <laughs> and that's like even before the actual finale that like is like a like a, that dogfight scene is like the like the pre-finale and then you have the whole thing with them trying to get to the portal but um i was like oh right we're not even done yet like this is like um we gotta talk about yeah joseph Wazinski, like what a strange career he's had like he starts off with this he starts off with a 170 million dollar movie <laughs> and like talk about pressure um and I think comes in and just like does an amazing job with like how what a tall order this movie is like to there's yeah. so much going on. Like he's making a he's making a sequel or oh, 30 years later to a movie that is generally a conceit that is generally seen as kind of a flop for Disney. And like they hand him that much money back then. 
with technology that uh, like the first movie is kind of untested. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. So you're going to go and you're making a, make a sequel to Tron, but Oh, Jeff Bridges is coming back and you're going to show him as if he was alive in the eighties. Like, okay. And for him, I personally think he pulled it off and he pulled it off very well. Yeah. I'm super impressed. Like I just, I can't even imagine being like a filmmaker and you've never directed a movie and they give you this and you get this job and it's like, Oh shit. And, uh, like, um, with that budget and like, and it's funny because, um, it's, I was thinking, I, I'm so, I feel dumb because I didn't connect with this, that he does a legacy sequel 30 years after the first one and now does Top Gun Maverick, which is a legacy sequel like 30 years after the first one. <laughs> Holy shit, you just blew my mind. I, I can't believe I, I didn't even I, think about that till, <laughs> until you said it. Whoa. I, yeah, I felt dumb because I had, I mean, I knew he directed Tron Legacy and I knew he directed Top Gun Maverick, but like the, the, the difference in time that he does like these two legacy sequels so far apart from the original and in my in my opinion i think your opinion they're both great is very impressive and i was a little worried that his career was like kind of done because he he does this and it makes 400 million dollars the budget is 170 and they probably marketed the hell out of it and you know oh um, i remember man the marketing was everywhere so i imagine oh that disney spent a good chunk so i'd yeah. imagine that this maybe broke even after everything which is kind of a bummer yeah it's so crazy that that you make 400 million dollars and the movie costs less than half and like i know there's a lot of complicated math but then they sell you ah oh, we basically broke even that it maybe i think i heard it underperformed for them again they wanted like probably almost a billion or so you know they probably wanted 800 million you know not 400 million um and then he made Oblivion, which I don't know how well that did, actually. I'm going to check. Hang on. Um, again, I think it costs a lot of money. Um, yeah. $120 million made 286 worldwide. So, again, it's like when you factor in costs, not like it's not going to light the world on fire, but at least he didn't lose money. Um, he made that movie Only the Brave, which I think is about firefighters, like who fight wildfires. It's 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 uh, about um, um, a I, I believe they're called smoke jumpers. Oh, okay. um, uh -huh. um, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's based off a real, um, a real, a real firefighter team, I believe in Oregon. I haven't seen the movie in a while. I saw it once and I saw it because of him because oh, okay. I'd yeah. seen Tron legacy and I'd seen oblivion. And I was like, I like this guy's style. Like, yeah. Okay. And then I saw it. It's very well done. It's very well, um, directed and the acting's very good as well but it's completely opposite of what he had done before where it's basically it's it's a drama it's uh, it's um almost feels kind of oscar bait style okay but yeah it, that's uh yeah when i saw it i was like oh this is like marketed as like a a drama that wants to get awards like it didn't seem that exciting to me but i've heard good things about it since so maybe but, it, check it, but out. it also <laughs> It did not do well. I'm looking it up oh, it right bombed. now. Yeah, and well, I guess it, it did not make its budget back, which is not no. Good. Like, oh, the budget was oh 38 million, and oh, the worldwide gross was only 26. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's like so. Not, Tom Cruise must have really liked him from Oblivion to get on the Top Gun job because I'm yeah, surprised because, he got that. <laughs> like, and then I'm looking at Oblivion, and Oblivion cost 120, and worldwide gross was 286. So again, right. 
didn't set the world on fire. But I personally, I like Oblivion, even with you know, like the minor script. It's kind of cliched in parts, but like, yeah, yeah. Oh, visually, I thought that movie was great. And then he goes out oh, to Top Gun Maverick, which like as of recording is now the number six movie of all time oh, domestically, which is utterly insane. Well <laughs> deserved. That. Yeah, but I, I love it. Yeah, I thought, love it. But I didn't expect that. <laughs> like, I didn't see it till I think the second week it was out. And I remember seeing the trailers and being like, I can't wait for Top Gun Maverick. I'm going to go. I'm going to see it. Um, and my fiance is not the hugest fan of Tom Cruise. Um, my girlfriend doesn't not either. I understand. <laughs> oh, she doesn't like like all of his personal stuff. Like she's That's like, he's exactly. an okay actor. Yeah. And I'm like, babe, he's not just an okay actor. He's a phenomenal <laughs> actor. He's Ethan Hunt. You show some goddamn respect for Mission Impossible. He's a movie star, damn it. Uh, he, he, he's one of the last the movie way. stars on like, the world. He is like one of the last movie stars. I had to talk my girlfriend to seeing it because I think she, and this, for the personal stuff, which I, which I get um, with Tom Cruise. Yeah, I get it too. I get it too. And, and then we both, had, she loved Top Gun Maverick. So we both had a great time. So I was like, see, he's a movie star. You know, it's like, I'm sorry that he's a crazy person, but God damn it. He's a movie star. <laughs> like, like, like I made her watch, uh, um, the last samurai probably, uh, oh, three years ago or so because she loves Japan. I uh, loves the culture. Our honeymoon's going to be in Japan, like the whole nine. And she goes, but babe, it's Tom Cruise. And I was like, ah, bup, 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 bup. <laughs> Please just sit down that. and watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and she watches. She's like, okay, that was really good. I'm like, ah, ah, see? And I go, now, how about the Mission Impossible? She goes, absolutely not. I'm like, all right, fine. Oh, man. But then when so Top Gun Maverick came out, yeah. and I'm like, oh, what helped for Top Gun Maverick is that her mom, oh, my future mother-in-law was like, Chris, um, are we going to see Top Gun? I'm like, you're damn right we're going to see Top Gun. She's like, okay, cool. And so we <laughs> dragged my girl, <laughs> we dragged my fiance along. She ended up really enjoying the movie. Not as much as me, where I'm like, I'm like sobbing at parts of that movie. And then at the end, when it says, and in memory of Tony Scott, I'm like, they get it. They just understand this movie. But yeah, I didn't I, think yeah. that it was going to just continue to break records. It's a phenomenal movie, but it's a legacy sequel to a cheesy eighties, Tom, uh, like a Tom Cruise movie. I did not expect it to blow up, but then again, I'm happy for Kaczynski's. I'm like, finally, he had a movie that hit and hit hard. Yes, that's. I hope he can do. Uh, he, he should get the ball rolling on Tron Three now if he wants to do it. I'm like, hey, I just made Top Gun. Let's get Tron Three going. <laughs> I don't know if he wants to do that, but I would love. Well, if memory Tom serves, yeah, yeah, it like it was greenlit for a little bit, wasn't it? it was going to be like Tron, not Uprising, because I think that's the cartoon that they did for Disney. Yeah, but I don't it was, it was like, yeah, it it was <sighs> it kind of had. It, it was going to kind of, it was the wheels were turning, I will say. And then it kind of stopped and then it came up again recently. This year it came up and it was like Jared Leto was involved. And I was like, I don't know if I want that. I was like, yeah, oh. I was kind of over it at that point, but there was a, um, okay. So I'm looking it up and there it, it was a Tron and Ascension and Kaczynski was attached. Um, and Garrett Hedlund was going to come back. Okay, yeah. Um, it's it, it said that um, said the rumor started oh, oh, with a leak about Tron Ascension, where a teaser trailer that was supposedly uh, going to be released with the DVD and Blu-ray disc in April of 2011. Hmm. And, um, and footage. Oh, 
I was shot for the teaser has been certified and by Disney. Um, and some of it is featured in Tron of the next day, an exclusive of 10 minutes short of depicting the history of, of the Flynn and lives movement. So I guess that was going to be, Oh yeah. I meant to watch that. There's like a 10 minute short film. I guess yeah, I didn't watch it either. Yeah. I didn't I, watch I, it either. I could have probably watched it on YouTube and I just kind of forgot. Honestly, it was like kind of rushing, but it sounded like it was like, it was really, I mean, it literally was the next day after Tron legacy ends. Like, and then I guess they were kind of setting up the, cause they're, they're really setting up a second, another movie hard with Tron legacy. Like I really thought we we're going to get a sequel really quickly because <laughs> I was like, it's going to do great. It, it, they're ready to go for the third one. And then sadly nothing has come of it. Um, and I really, I would have loved to see another one because they were, I felt like they were ready. And I, if it looked like Tron legacy, I'm definitely on board, you know? <laughs> so give me more of that is what I was thinking. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know uh, what they're going to do now with, uh, with uh, this Jared Leto sequel. Cause I know uh, that Garrett Hedlund is basically like, Oh no, I'm done. But he was going to come back for this third one. Cause it was supposed to go pretty soon after legacy came out, but now it's been what another 20 years or whatever. And he's like, nah, I'm, I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's sad. That it's taken so long. They should have just, jumped right into it but i don't know i thought they were they were waiting i remember something like they were waiting a really long time to see how it did and they were waiting to see like how dvd and blu-ray sales were like they needed like a little more disney to like get that sequel rolling they waited like just too long i don't know but uh, we got tron legacy and i who would have expected that movie to come out almost 30 years after the first one you know so um yeah and i think the thing kind of back to tron legacy and what why it, it looks so good um is I didn't even realize this. I watched some like behind the scenes stuff today that so much of it is there, there's so much that's actually there. Because if you look at like Marvel movies behind the scenes, you see the actors sometimes not even in their suits. The suits are even CGI and they're just everything's green. They'll put like a couple pieces of debris behind them, but like yep. green everywhere. But Tron Legacy, a lot of these were practical sets and they are wearing or they actual... touched them up digitally yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Touched them up digitally and the, the actors are wearing real suits like that was thing one is... thing i loved yeah. is the upgrade in the suits like in the first one oh you can see like the cloth you know i like, kind of move but these almost feel like uh it's almost like a superhero suit where it's like oh like the spandex or like the armor pieces over it and it like it has a real feel to it like oh you see it move in sam's neck you know like when he stretches you know like it has a tactile feel to the suits yeah it's and you can which helps i mean that helps like make it look better because i feel like if they just cgi'd the suits on it wouldn't look nearly as good (laughs) and like and i didn't know there's actual lights in those suits like they they, and the funny thing i was reading was like that they had like these battery packs in them and the battery packs though could only light the suits up for like 12 minutes or so so they had to turn them on right before they started shooting and turn them off immediately after uh because the the batteries died so quickly in the suits but it's worth it it looks great like i the the movie is like set design uh to to hell it's like it's just everything so much care was put into it i know there's a ton of cgi but this is when people complain about like movies using too much cgi i feel like tron legacy strikes a really nice balance of like Yes, we're using a lot of CGI to enhance things, but we're still doing a lot of things practically. I know they cut costs on like costumes these days because they're like, oh, we can just CGI the suit on. Marvel does it a lot. Um, yeah. But this movie didn't cut those corners. They had people making hand making these suits. Uh, a lot of care was put into them. 
they look great like um i mean I, it's funny how like i was thinking like most of this movie is just like there's a lot of black like backgrounds and settings but like with the blue and orange lights and that's basically it you know it's like it's a lot of blue and orange and some like white lights but it's but it, i still i love i love the look of this movie like this is one of those times you see oh like i want to be in that world because it looks so cool <laughs> yeah yeah and it doesn't end as abruptly as the first movie like no it eases you out nicely <laughs> yeah like like it, and what i like again is like oh, there's that conversation between oh, Sam and Cora, like oh, where oh, she asks him about a sunrise and the movie yes, ends yeah. with her seeing her first sunrise. And it's not like a just a sudden cut. It's, it slowly fades out as like, oh, she leans into Sam like, oh, my God. Oh, oh you're right. You know, this world is beautiful, too. And then. Yes, yeah. And then again, oh, it cuts into a straight fire from daft punk you know, like over the end credits it's like damn <laughs> damn that is one of the best songs that uh the end credits song it's yeah it, i mean it, it wraps things up pretty nicely he sees bruce box lightning one more time they get on the motorcycle and they leave and yeah it's it's a good ending. and it also I, ends with like i mean you know it's kind of cliched at this point but like like of the father figure character, he sacrifices himself. You know, you've seen it on Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and basically, yeah. you know, you know yeah. like all these movies over time, but like it still hits. Yeah. When, yeah, it... oh, when Jeff Bridges is doing like, oh, the force thing basically and sucking in Clue. <laughs> and he, like it does the slow motion flashbacks of Jeff Bridges seeing Sam as a boy. Yes. Yeah that was like oh shit like this kind of hits you know like it, it hits it, you know, like that emotional moment that you need yeah it does it does hit that's the like the emotional part that's kind of missing from the first tron for me is like it, I, it's funny because somebody i read i was reading a lot of reviews this movie today and like somebody was like oh i wish the movie uh didn't they felt like it fell off a cliff after basically uh olivia wilde saves uh garrett headland from the games they think it gets really i guess it's slow and boring but there's so much good character stuff in there. And I wrote down specifically, I think the ship they're on is called like a solar sailor, like that kind of slow moving ship. There's so much good character stuff on that ship, the conversations that they have. And like, it's almost like hanging out with the characters. And like, um, I love the, you brought up earlier, the conversation Jeff Bridges and Garrett Hedlund have just about like stuff that he's missed when he's been gone, like the Wi-Fi thing. And, and he's like, I had a G85 and like, the yeah, conversation yeah, it's like so good. It's so good, and then like they're, they're bonding. Like, yeah, they, these a father and son would catch up, and he want to know what he missed for the past thirty years. And the Olivia Wild stuff's good. I love the thing. Yeah, but he has that line. Garrett Heathens like, I never had to describe a sunset before. Which yeah, you you would not you would not have to think about like who to describe the sun the sunrise to or the sunset to because yeah, everyone's seen it. But um, to her, she she's never seen it, and I you know I just love that little stuff. So I was surprised somebody was like, oh, that stuff's not great, but um. I don't know. I mean, the stuff in the game is super cool, but it's a good, it's a mix of like, there's some great action. There's good character building. Like I, I, that's also missing the first Tron. I think there's not like great character building in there. It's kind of like, I don't know. I just feel like they're not focused on that. And this one, I feel like they, they are, and it, I mean, it helps. We haven't mentioned too much, but like Jeff Bridges, I think is, is wonderful in this. I think he's having a great time too, which I love. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> he, um, I remember at the time reading something like, oh, he's just doing his Lebowski thing where like, you know, like there's that moment after, yeah. after um, all the stuff in the nightclub 
where like oh sam's like no like we could do this and he's like he actually oh he snaps at sam and he goes he goes sam and you're messing up my zen thing man and it's <laughs> just like a down. real fast yeah. throwaway line and i'm like so good because he wants to be like this like like i am buddha i am enlightened <laughs> i am jeff bridges and then you know there's moments where he starts to get a little like err and it's 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 really well done but like as you were saying it slows down for the character stuff but it works because i feel it is genuine conversations where it's like yeah like oh his dad's been gone for 30 years of course he's gonna like like oh when they're sitting around at the dinner table he's like oh you know like are you in college? He's like, oh, you know, like I went, but I dropped out. And Olivia Wilde lets out that little, you know, like the little chuckle. And he goes, oh, you like his wife, kids? And he's like, no, I got a dog. And it's just, it's conversations. It's that awkward conversation that you would have with someone who you haven't seen in decades. Right. And yeah, there is that weirdness of like, you're my dad. Like, did you abandon me? Like, I haven't seen you in 30 years. Like, there would be some weird kind of tension there at first, even if you're happy to see him but you know it's like yeah and uh, like yeah you know and there's that moment when like oh when cora walks sam in you know and she walks up and she goes hey like you know or we have a visitor and he turns around and jeff bridges plays it so well where he looks shocked mm -hmm. and sam oh garrett headland i i think he doesn't get enough credit for the role because he's got to juggle a lot. And in that moment, he looks like he wants to cry because like, is this his dad who he hasn't seen, who he thought was dead? Like, oh, there's right. a line of dialogue between him and Bruce's character where he's like, look, he's probably on an island somewhere, like, oh, drinking Mai Tais or dead or probably both. Like, he abandoned me. Like, I don't care about him anymore. Like, I'm done. And then when he sees Clue for the first time, he's like, dad. And he's like, oh, wrong like i'm not your dad you know there's that little like right, the yeah. cat and mouse scene of dialogue but then when he actually sees his dad as an old man and sam's crying and jeff bridges walks up and just hugs him and you know it's it's a real brief moment like like oh like oh you're real you're actually here like and you imagine oh that jeff bridges has been dreaming of seeing his son every day every minute for 30 years and to finally have him it's a, it's a really really awesome scene yeah i think it it yeah it, it plays really well i do think garrett headland probably i think even i even thought this when it came out i was like uh i kind of wish the lead was somebody else because he's kind of one of those generic white guys <laughs> like he kind of there's a lot of actors i think like charlie hunnam and oh my god who else there's like there's like a group of like these white guy actors that kind of all look alike <laughs> and like i think garrett headland kind of fell into that group and but I was watching this day. I'm like, he's better than I remember in the movie. Um, I don't even know. I can't. I remember. Think, yeah. I remember having that same reaction at the time of release, where I was like, <laughs> oh, like he's fine. But yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> then on this last rewatch, I was like, he's actually, he's not bad. No, yeah, he's he's way better than I remembered. And I thought he pulled off some of the moments like better than I remember, like the emotional stuff we're talking about. Um, yeah, I think I kind of lumped him into the box of like. Oh, he's just like one of those generic white guy actors. <laughs> and like, they, you know, there's a few guys that do look alike who get a lot of roles. But I, you know, it's like he's he's good in this. I may be just used to him in this role. But um, I was I trying to think what else he was in 
kind of recently I thought he was kind of good in. Was it Triple Frontier? Was he one of the guys yeah. in that movie? Okay, yeah, I feel like most of the guys in the movie were pretty good, but um, I mean, yeah, he's he's a decent actor. I was look, it's I don't think he works quite that much these days. Like he's in stuff, but like um, this would have been like his big breakout starring role, and I don't know like how much really came of it. Like, um, it seems like he's turned into a character actor more than anything. Yeah, yeah, definitely does seem like that. Like, um, then he's good in this, but like, I mean, Jeff Bridges, I think, like, thank God he came back because I think he really elevates the whole movie. Like, I some of his line readings are so uh, particular. I'm like, this is why I love Jeff Bridges because, like, there's a part when, uh, I think there's a part like a flashback scene where Clue approaches him when he's with Tron and like Clue's like just yells at him out of nowhere, like kind of far away. He's like, do you still wish me to create the perfect system? And there's a oh, long yeah. pause. And Jeff I Bridges was going to bring that to you. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, yeah. Like, like, oh, good. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I was okay. going to bring it up. Such a good line delivery. Yeah. And then, oh my God, I, the one I have loved is like, I don't know. I can't remember what he says in the context, but he tells to Sam, I think he's like, he's like, it's biodigital jazz, man. Like, it's like this, this, whatever that, what a weird little phrase, but he sells it. It's biodigital jazz, man. Like, um, he is doing like his Lebowski thing mixed with, kevin flynn but i weirdly feel like it works and it's very entertaining i feel like jeff bridges is like really committed to this he seemed very i mean it was like one of those kind of fluff kind of behind the scenes pieces that i watched but like he seemed really into it like he seemed like genuinely happy to be there and like happy to be back doing the part so yeah yeah and then also like um and Olivia Wilde wasn't really like a household name at the time. I, th I think she's great in this. Like she plays it with the right amount of like spunk and kind of like childlike wonder, you know, that we brought up earlier where, she, you know, like, um, oh, there's that line when they're walking through the house, right? And they're looking at all the books, you know, and she, you know, she brings up, um, oh, um, oh, that Jules Verne is her favorite. And Sam goes, oh, 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 he's good. She goes, oh, do you know him? And it, it, like, it feels so real of her going like, oh, you've met him. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's like, oh, do you know, you know him? It's like, it's like, I know him. But I don't know what's him. he like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's he like? Yeah. It's like, no. Yeah. She's good at that. I don't think I'm glad she doesn't like overplay it. Cause there's a way you could overplay that to be like kind of sillier. Kind of annoying. Kind, kind of, of annoying. annoying yeah. yeah, definitely. But it, I think she plays it pretty well. And she's still kind of a badass. She gets some of the best like action scenes in the movie. Um, the fight in the club is pretty cool. Um, I thought it was one more I'm thinking of, but I mean that fight in the club I really like when the the guys like dropping from the ceiling and then like um that's a good act. There's there's good action in this movie too. Like there's some pretty good fight scenes I thought. Like yeah, um, and they're shot well too. Yes, always important that they're shot well. <laughs> it was like good job, Joseph Kaczynski. I'm like you can see what's happening. They're edited well. They're not like crazy over editing like that. Like um yeah, so those are good. I, it's funny you bring up really wild because I do like her in this. And I was looking, I was like didn't she like blow up around this time? And yeah, in 2011, she's in like five movies. <laughs> like she's, she's everywhere after this. Like she's in, um, she's in so many movies after this. Her career really blows up. And uh, I mean, you could see why, but it's like, yeah, it's like, she really, unlike Garrett Hedlund, unfortunately, like her career just like blows up after Tron Legacy. It seems like she just is in like every movie <laughs> for the next couple years. So um, I mean, she's great. She's great. So it's a weird kind of, tough role i'd like to pull off you like we could you could play it wrong but um i really like her in this yeah um 
trying to think what else. I mean, I'm glad that Daft Punk score is really <laughs> is really something. Um, I just feel oh. like oh, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> uh, one thing that we haven't brought up, which was kind of a shocker when I first saw it, which is the cameo of Celian oh. Murphy as David yes. Warner's fucking son. <laughs> so glad you brought this up because I forgot to write my notes and I was watching it today. And like I said, I hadn't seen it in, I don't know, years. And I don't think it, it must have registered, but I forgot. He's un- It's an uncredited cameo from Killian Murphy. Um, and I was like, wait, I, for, <laughs> I did like a triple take. I was like, wait, wait, is that Killian Murphy? <laughs> and he, it was him, but it was uncredited. And he's in one scene. Yep, he's only he's in the boardroom scene, and they bring up the fact that like, oh, his dad's more um, um, a shadowy connection to the company or whatever. And you're like, wow! So they hired his kid, and his kid is also a dirtbag. <laughs> like yeah, Dillinger, he's right? kind of yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah, Dillinger, because he's kind of snarky and just like, I know what I'm doing, and he's like that tech guy. <laughs> yeah. I was I was shocked. I was genuinely shocked because I had completely forgotten. And he's a big star by 2011. Like, yep, it's not like big. he's nobody. Um, yeah. I And then apparently that was another thing they were setting up for the possible third movie was he was going to be the uh, antagonist of that movie. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, man, stop making me wish. Stop making me like even sadder. I didn't get Tron 3. <laughs> like, um he would have been I remember when they canceled it, actually. I remember like when it oh, hit the yeah. trades that uh, like Otron 3 is officially dead. You know, like we're not moving forward. I was like, man, such a letdown. And, and then within the last like two, three years of Jared Leto going, oh, actually, like I'm making a Tron 3. And, and I'm like, it's uh, no, can we can <laughs> yeah. we not? Can we can not, not put be Jared, you, Leto Jared Leto? Leto? Yeah. <laughs> like anyone but you. <laughs> He's oh. a good actor. I just, I like on a personal level, I don't like him very much. Well, that's understandable. And I, I, I mean, his acting has been to me like way more missing than hitting for the past couple years, at least, if not longer. Like, and I, he's got it's problem. There's like stuff that came out with him and like, I think like underage girls or something. I don't know. Allegedly. Yeah. Same, something yeah, like but, about a cult that he has on an Island. Like he didn't even yeah. know the pandemic was going on. <laughs> he walked like, out of okay. the cave and was like, Oh, there's a pandemic. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, that's just not, I'm like of all the people to put in Tron three, Jared Leto, really? Um, in a funny way, I can kind of see it. Cause he plays that role in Blade Runner 2049. That almost feels like a character out of Tron. Um, and he was very good in that. Yeah. He was good at that. I mean, like, I don't know. It's just like, Oh, if, I don't, it probably won't even happen now. We'll see. But, um, I would love to Tron three because like this looks so good. And I feel like the technology's only gotten better since they made this. And oh, oh they yeah. might they might cut back on some of the stuff I like, like the real costumes and and be all CGI yeah, that's everything. True. That is true. Damn. I don't know. It's an excellent point. Um the one thing I really want to say about Tron Legacy is like um I feel like it has so much more on its mind than the original Tron, like like idea-wise and from mostly from like an emotional standpoint, like a humanity standpoint about the ISO thing with like kind of, you know, and just the, creating these worlds digitally and the father son stuff. I mean, there's just so much more I feel like happening, like the bigger ideas and bigger emotions. I mean, um, I feel like it has more, there's more emotional weight to everything. Uh, Jeff Bridges has a line that he says to Garrett Hedlund, uh, Sam, his son at some point where, uh, 
it's a sad lie because he's like kind of living a sad existence in hiding. And he says, um, sometimes life has a way of pushing you past wants and needs. And it's like, wow, he's really just kind of resigned himself to to this life he's living. And it's kind of sad. I feel like there's just so much the stuff going on that I like with just, uh, you know, father son relationship and all this other stuff. And like and that that yeah. like that Okira was technically she was she was created in the grid on her own to where in her DNA, in her sequencing could be oh the key to curing like AIDS and, and like aging and all that kind of stuff. Like there is something in her coding that can be oh, used in the real world for like illnesses and stuff like that, you know, like famine. And you're like, whoa, that's fascinating stuff. Yeah, that and kind then, of stuff, like these big ideas, then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then or how the movie ends is you're like, like, are they going to go down that route? Are they going to go towards that? But oh, you don't know because now we're never going to get a Tron 3 that would <laughs> oh, continue that story at least. Exactly, yeah. And like, I probably should have said spoilers for both of a long time ago, but, I, I, you know, it's fine. Uh, it's my fault. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we spoiled a bunch of these things. <laughs> well, it's like, like a 12-year-old movie. At that's this true. Point, and the other so one's... I mean, 40 years old so you know yeah. it's like, not, but uh i always forget to i just i forget to say spoilers off. i think people know if they're that deep in like we're gonna say some stuff but um i do want people to watch especially tron legacy if you've never seen it or haven't seen it in a long time watch it again because i think it's pretty great and very underrated um but yeah like he's, it has big ideas like that i, I was going to ask you about the iso thing because that was the one thing i felt like i didn't quite have a grasp on that like somehow so they're like created out of the grid and but somehow they would have things to uh, cure diseases and i was like i don't know how that all works it kind of it, it kind of seemed like they kind of it it was a little wave. vague because there's like yeah, that flashback vague. at the start of the movie where uh, kevin flynn is basically doing like that ted talk yes, yes and he's talking about like there is a digital landscape that we aren't seeing like there's another world that we haven't touched yet and it hasn't been an, a ruin by smog and humanity and all that other stuff and so he goes in and makes his own grid and basically from what i or my simple understanding of it is that the isos were basically like oh programs that evolved on their own and were oh, created on their own and clue was so hatred filled that oh they could do stuff that he couldn't do because of the limitations that he started a genocide and Kevin Flynn actually says that word. He goes, it was genocide that he went in and just wiped them all out except for one. It's very yeah. weird. It's like, it, it, there's, uh, there's a lot of philosophical stuff in this movie that's right underneath the surface that like, if you just listen to the dialogue, there's, there's a, there's a lot more going on on a script level than just a tron sequel yeah exactly yeah and i feel like there's not much that in the first tron it's like it's pretty simple and straightforward like you said like i mean they throw a lot of terms at you but like i don't think they're dealing with as many big ideas they're dealing with like technology moving forward at the time they're like oh this is where technology could go um computers and video games are like really new ideas you know it's like or you know that people actually being able to use them. They've had giant computers since for decades, but it's like people actually being able to, to touch these things and use these things. Um, it's all very still new. 
and I feel they're dealing more with that, but like this one has philosophical stuff. And like, that's the one I'm not sure like everything works because I don't think everything has time to get fully fleshed out. Like, I like that the ideas are there, but it's almost like there's the movie. It sometimes is maybe trying to juggle too many ideas. I didn't see there was like four or five writers in the script. Maybe that's part of the reason, but yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I don't, I don't really dislike that. I just know it's kind of like, it's kind of trying to do a lot. Um, uh, but I, you know, I kind of appreciate that more than anything. And then on top of that, it just looks really fucking cool, which is like, mm-hmm. like I loved, uh, I think Rinsler, who we find out is Tron, but he's been turned bad, basically. He's Rinsler. He's like fucking tr- the grid version of Snake Eyes. He's awesome. He comes around. He's like so badass. <laughs> so badass. I'm like, I love that guy. Even though he's a bad guy, but well, he's not really a bad guy, but yeah. Um, and then was, like, yeah. and then, oh, the hint of him turning a hero again like after oh he crashes into clue right and ends up in the water like as he's descending in the water his orange lights oh go off and then they turn out oh, to blue again and then right. you don't see him for the rest of the movie and i'm sure that would another another thing to be taken care of in tron 3 i'm sure is like oh he's back being a good guy and he has i think his last line is his kind of motto which is like i fight for the users which I remember my friend, I had one friend who like cheered at that line. Cause I, I didn't mention this whole time. I had a friend who was like, so into Tron when this was coming out, like <laughs> could not, this man had, this man had every piece of Tron merchandise. He had, he was buying the Tron shirts. He had a, a actually really cool, like iPod player that was shaped like a, like a disc. So you put no like way. the iPod player in the middle of it. It lit up. It was blue. It was awesome. He was so deep into Tron and like showing us all like the first Tron and like um, getting us all more excited about Tron. Like our group of friends was like this. Yeah, we were in like he was like and he was like the one guy that cheered really hard when when I guess Rinsler, a.k.a. Tron says like I fight for the user. He was like, yeah. And everybody else was like, what? Like, no, it's like people, <laughs> people weren't quite getting it, I guess. Um, it took me a minute, but I was like, oh, right. OK. And then when he turns good. But um, I got to give it. Yeah. My friend was like so into Tron out of nowhere. And uh yeah, I mean, they, yeah, it, they had stuff everywhere. For they were pushing Tron Legacy really hard, and it didn't quite pay off, I guess, as much as they wanted. But like, I don't know. I still really enjoy this movie. I love this movie. I would love a sequel. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else to say about it, but um, I think we both made it very clear we love Tron Legacy, and uh... yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> and Tron is cool too. So it's like you know, we, the the thing wouldn't be here without Tron. So and like Tron is like truly one of a kind because i remember seeing as a kid and being like wow that movie looks so different and cool somehow i still didn't rent it until i didn't see it until i was seeing tron legacy but like it it nothing's ever looked like it they were really truly doing something groundbreaking and i was watching tron legacy and i was like wow really i can't think of many movies that look like tron legacy do i mean it's no not really yeah i mean it's very unique. I kind of appreciate it even more now for like that, you know, them making both these movies really, but yes, Tron legacy. Cause I just, I, I watched this time. I was like, I hope it holds up. I don't know. And I loved it as much as I did before. <laughs> so I am so glad you chose these to talk about. Um, I was hoping someone would pick those. So <laughs> I, I remember when I picked them and I messaged you, I was like, um, Hey man, I'm down for Tron. Actually, you were so excited. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, like, I don't want to pick something where you're like, ah, oh, man, I don't really want to talk about that. But you're like, oh, yes. The, oh, it's on the books. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And you're like, you're locked in. I was like, oh, 
okay cool <laughs> happening yeah well like and luckily that list is all stuff that i've just kind of like written down randomly and i'm like that'd be a good idea for a show so i should theoretically want to do everything on the list but i was like extra excited mostly about tron legacy but but tron too but um uh i mean yeah i because i feel like tron they're not it's weird because like people know them but i feel like they're not talked about as much these days i mean it's weird. It, they live in this weird, like, in-between state when it's, like, they're not, like, unknown or anything like that, but they're they're just kind of... I wish they were talking about more because um, I think they're very cool, and I wish this was actually more of a franchise than it is, so... Um, I agree. I agree. I don't know. Did you ever watch the Disney show, the cartoon that I, came out, like, I, a year after the movie? I didn't. It's actually... Oh, what's funny is when oh Disney Plus launched... Uh, I put Tron, Tron Legacy, and then the animated show, which I think is called Uprising, um, on my watch list. And I ha- like I still haven't watched it, but it's on there. I know it's it's a prequel to Legacy, right? That happens during like the ISO War, I believe. Yeah, it sounds like it covers a lot of the territory between the Tron and Tron Legacy is what I heard. It's like, I'm not sure exactly what it covers in there, but it covers like stuff between Tron and Tron Legacy. So it may cover that. Um, it looked pretty cool. I, I and I've heard I like the things. animation style looked pretty, oh, pretty neat. Where it's almost like a mixture of hand drawn and CG. Yeah, yeah. It uh, I think it only had one season, so I maybe I might check it out because that's short enough, and they aren't making any more. I'm like, well, <laughs> it's like I you know I kind of know what I'm in for because I don't watch a lot of TV, but I'm like I do kind of want to watch this because <laughs> I need more Tron. But um, but yeah, anything else you want to say about Tron or Tron Legacy before we kind of wrap up or? Um, just that, like, if you go into them with, uh, more of like, these movies were way ahead of their time. I think it helps with the appreciation, but also Tron legacy is just a really good movie. Like from a script standpoint, it does what every sequel should do, which is it ups the stakes. It ups the characters. There's actual a development of the characters in like in Tron legacy that really isn't in Tron. Like Sam at the start of the movie is like, I don't care about this company. I'm just going to stop in every year, cause a prank. And at the end, he's like, no, like, like I'm taking my company back because this is what my dad would have wanted. He's a better person at the end of the movie uh, compared to the start, which in like in the first movie, Kevin Flynn is basically, okay. So he's rich at the end. Like he really doesn't grow much, (laughs) but Tron legacy really goes, goes for it, I think. And Plus that soundtrack by Daft Punk. I mean, if me and Matt haven't hyped it up enough, that soundtrack is a <laughs> all timer. It's yes. If you go listen on Spotify, you've never heard it because it's it's full of great stuff. Um, like it's so good. I almost hype that up more than the movie in a certain way because like I, I love the movie, but like the score by Daft Punk is like so good. I'm not even usually some guy who's like into like electronic type music, I guess. But like, yeah, me neither. Me neither. But, but that's really good workout works. music. Yeah, it's really good workout <laughs> it is. music. Yeah, there's a few real like pump up tracks on there like um it's pretty great they are uh, it's all on disney plus if you don't have blu-rays although i was telling i think i told you before we start recording that like the blu-ray is super cheap right now on amazon like tron is literally five dollars on blu-ray tron legacy is ten dollars on blu-ray um i was being lazy and watched tron legacy on disney plus because i was like ah, i don't want to go pull the blu-ray off and like it looks great <laughs> Disney plus they do the thing they've done it i know they did it with like avengers infinity war and endgame where like because it's it was an IMAX and this obviously was an IMAX 3D and they kind of changed the format for certain scenes. I think were shot specifically for IMAX. So 
Um, I know specifically that scene you mentioned where like Jeff Bridges is giving the big speech. Um, that's like full IMAX view. And then I noticed it came back to um, a little like, oh God, blanking on words. Uh, like the, the formatting basically changes. Um, and it, But it looks really good. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I recommend these. Uh, they're, they're both groundbreaking. I mean, especially the first Tron, they were really fucking going for it and like, uh, didn't quite pay off the way they wanted, I guess, especially at the time in the short run. Um, but I mean, it's a cult classic. People love Tron like, um, and yeah, I don't know. Just give us the Tron three sequel. Give us a sequel, please. <laughs> like, like, what do we have to do? Who do we have to talk oh, just to? without Jared Leto? Just yeah, without Jared Leto. Like Joseph Kaczynski, I beg of you, use your use your new clout <laughs> to go uh <laughs> to go uh make that movie. Oh, did you see? Sorry, I just remembered there was this Joseph Kaczynski movie that came out on Netflix like a month or two ago, maybe longer, called Spiderhead. Did you watch that one? I did not. Okay, I did they just not. dropped that, which out was of weird because it came out like two weeks after Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, and they still didn't put any fucking marketing into it. <laughs> like Netflix's major problem is like. They just don't even try. It's like, and then after a movie's out, they stop talking about it. Right. It's dead to them. It's like it's it's out for a weekend. They talk. They may be on the front page, and they never mention it again. And it falls into a pit of just other Netflix movies. And <laughs> like, like, well, oh, the only time you see anything of it is if you're following oh, the actors on social media who are in these movies. Like, it's a week later, and I'm still seeing stuff on day shifts. But that's because I follow oh, Scott Atkins and J.J. Perry on social media. Right. But oh, Netflix is like, oh, nope, it's gone. <laughs> but I'm like, it's still trending as number one on your service. Like, why aren't you talking about this movie? No, they're so weird. They, uh, I mean, I don't know how much they could have done, but it feels like we're going to slam dunk if they could say this to be like, we have the new movie from the guy who made Top Gun Maverick. That movie that's so popular and came out like two weeks ago. Yeah, we got his other movie. <laughs> like, and it has Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller, who was in Top Gun. Right. Like, it has stars in it. It's insane that they just were like, eh, it's like, here's this movie. <laughs> like, uh, they, I, I forgot it came out until I, I think it was like a week or two later. I think um, it was Patrick who goes, oh, hey, you know, like I just saw this. It was pretty good. I was like, I forgot that came out. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, you know, I was like, oh my God, it came out really? You know, and then I look up to date and yeah, oh, two weekends ago. I'm like, what? <laughs> I know I, I'm, I'm bad, but I still will watch it, but I, I'm aware of its existence. Uh, but it's like, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you, I, I forgot to mention Day Shift. We've talked about stuff I've seen recently. I really quick, I was I love Day Shift. I love Day Shift. I loved it. Loved it. So much it. fun. From the opening scene, I was completely in. Uh, I was trying to tell a friend about it. I was like, it just does, it's an action comedy vampire movie that does all of those things well like it's usually one of those things is not as good like oh maybe it's really funny but the action is shit or the action's great but it's not very funny and like and the, it's not really scary but like the vampire stuff works i think and like the action is amazing that's that fight scene this, in the house with scott atkins and so uh, yeah. I, I showed that to my fiance and she goes this movie was made for you i'm like <laughs> yes it was 100 percent <laughs> yes it was uh, you know just scott atkins bro send one bro like <laughs> i was walking around for the next oh two days at home and work on bro 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 <laughs> like it 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 was ridiculous i love day shift i thought that was great yeah it was great i just it reminded me of like yeah netflix movies that like 
they kind of promote, but then they forget about. Like it'll, they, they won't talk about it another week, or but by this time that comes out, it, they probably will stop talking about it. But um, yeah, no, I love Day Shift. But um, anyway, Tron, Tron Legacy, great. Watch them. Listen to the Daft Punk score for Tron, uh, Tron Legacy. Uh, it's good stuff. It's all. <laughs> it's all they can say. Um, anything else? <laughs> no, man. Like, I, I mean, oh, it's funny. Like, we talked about Tron for you know, like a little bit, but we spent a majority <laughs> of the episode talking about Tron Legacy, which I think was the goal for both of us. That's so, how I, that's how I imagined it going in my head. Yeah, because again, I like Tron, but I was like, man, I don't know what to really say about it. Um, besides, like everything we talked about, like it's groundbreaking. Um, I couldn't tell you the plot concisely easily. Like, it's just kind of like, yeah, um, I give it a lot of credit for all it did. Um, but I, I really love Tron Legacy. I like it way more. I just think it does like everything better. I could, I watch Tron Legacy and I can tell you what the vehicles are called. Like, oh, that big black and orange thing that comes down is called the recognizer. Like it, it helps me understand like what's going on what things are called like it's got an emotional hook the score is amazing the performances are better i uh, i just think it's like across the board it does everything better than the first tron i hope people aren't mad at me i hope that's not blasphemous but like i mean and they were limited with the first tron they weren't as limited with tron legacy they could they had a little more freedom to like be a little more flexible like you know like like we said they couldn't move too much in the first tron like it was tough it was tough for them yeah like in the first tron there's literally the uh um um uh oh, the grandfather of from the lost boys is literally in the grid but he's sitting in like this big thing where he can only move his head <laughs> i didn't realize that was the grandpa from uh the lost boys that's amazing that's <laughs> i didn't either until this viewing and i was like oh all all the damn vampires <laughs> um yeah it's an iconic movie the first tron i just i just watch tron legacy and i'm like ah yes okay i've gotten everything i could want from this like this is really improved in every way um and it's almost 30 years later so it has that huge advantage too <laughs> so okay. not disparaging the first tron just saying i like tron legacy much more and we'll uh probably i kind of want to rewatch it honestly like suit like really soon <laughs> like just watching and talking about it i was like i kind of want to watch it like the next couple days same same this conversation i was like i was like i really want to watch it again <laughs> yes i think i will i might go back and, and watch it one more time so uh it's been too long since i seen it anyway so i was overdue so um well uh chris thank you so much for doing this um and talking about tron tron legacy with me this was so much fun uh, oh, dude, this was a blast you. thank you so much for having me on man this was awesome Oh yeah, no problem. It was my pleasure. So um get you back on for something else down the road. So um I'm down, man. I I'm down. Any movie you want to talk about, I'm up for it. All right. I'll send you the crazy list again. No, <laughs> what else is on here? <laughs> um, but uh well anyway, I will I will let you go ahead and plug people can follow you, anything else you might be working on or podcast you might be on and just you know all that kind of stuff. Um so, so I have an episode um of the action addicts with Scott Wiley coming out uh hopefully soon um that i did uh on triple x3 a, a return of xander cage oh, um, okay yep <laughs> but it it was also more of a conversation on the whole trilogy at large and how i really didn't like the first two movies but then oh the third one had donnie yen and i was instantly sold 
Um, other than that, uh, I don't got a lot going on. I'm just on social media at Ginger Dome 81 on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and uh, at, uh, at Ginger Dome 81 on Letterboxd. That's where like, you know, I have all my lists and, you know, I can keep a running tab of everything that I've watched for the year. And yeah, uh, that's about it. Good stuff. Everyone should be following you if they're not already, because you're a very uh, fun person to follow. You're positive. We need more of that on Twitter oh, for sure. <laughs> so I try. I try. Oh, last night with Jurassic World, I was well, I was yeah. kind of negative on that one. But I mean, we just we just opened the show by just beating it to death. Like <laughs> so um, good, dude. I, mean, I, I didn't try. expect that. I didn't expect that. But that oh, no, awesome. no. I mean, it was fun. I just, you know, I always say I try to be positive and I feel bad when I'm negative. People, I think I'm a fraud or something, but I'm like, we can't be positive about everything like there's just some stuff i try that... to be as positive as possible where like i delete tweets that are negative but like sometimes like when a movie comes out and i'm just like sorry but i gotta shoot this thing in the back of the head like woof, <laughs> woof. oh i know i know that, that was that was a fun conversation though so um uh, also i agree with you on the triple x franchise by the way those first two movies not great i had nostalgia for the first one the second one's just straight up bad but the third one is pretty fun and donnie yen is awesome and he's awesome in that movie so yep. <laughs> i'm excited to hear that episode so um okay great stuff so uh yeah, for our stuff as the usual you can follow the podcast on twitter at film feast pod um you can follow me on twitter at mapled 87 and you can follow me and the podcast on instagram at uh, film feast all one word and that's it for this time we'll see you guys next time bye everybody